On this episode of the Star Wars Time Show, Matt and Nick peel apart the latest episode of The Mandalorian and its major Order 66 reveal. Once they're done celebrating the return of Mr. Best, they'll dive into the shallow end of the Bad Batch pool to break down Tipping Point and how it sets up an action-packed season finale. They'll then get into the rumor mill to discuss a Mando S3 exclusive, a Mon Mothma update, and some new details about the Ahsoka series plot structure. Of course, the show will end with the question of the week segment and the latest round of top five Star Wars fan artist features. Punch of Chewy. everybody welcome back to the star wars time show and there is nick's cat and oh my goodness i left my bald protector off let me let me get my uniform on here Jeez, poor nick was probably getting blinded there for a second um hopefully hopefully everyone can hear us i've i've been uh mad sciencing my setup which makes no sense as i was describing to young nick because I need a new computer. So, I mean, that, that that has to happen this year. Yet, between last week and this week, I've probably dumped six hours into fine-tuned customizations of this old piece-of-shit computer. Which means none of my changes or settings or any of the new stuff I've baked into this silly little show will probably carry over to the new machine and I'll have to redo everything. But, hey, such is life! For the Star Wars Time Show and the Curse of the Tech. Hey now, hey now, hey now, everybody. We got some fun Star Wars to talk about today. We got a good Bad Batch again, finally. Or at least I thought it was good. Um, and then we, uh, you know, and another, in my opinion, very fun and exciting, The Mandalorian. Although, Nick, uh, we may talk about it a bit. It seems like the fan dumb with a B... Mm-hmm is finally turning on the Mandalorian. This this has seemed to be one franchise that had some Teflon coating on it, at least when it came to the fandom, uh, but it, it's it's starting to change a bit. I, I'm starting to see some whining, bitching, and moaning out there. And, and to me, it's really like, have people forgotten what it's like to watch serialized content? <laughs> like it really is man because a lot of complaints are like hey man though what the fuck it's, where are we doing it's not, what's it doing where are we going it's like well that's the point of weekly releases you you get little you get little insights and hints at where things are going and that's the fun part of waiting to see what you get next week it's okay once all eight episodes are done i'm sure you're gonna have a full-fledged tale that makes sense from start to finish so just chill out streamers yeah. Not everyone's Netflix. I mean, Nick and I, we grew up in the days of none of that shit. And you had to rely on network TV. Sometimes your shows would go away for four or five months at a time before you could figure out what happened. It is fun. Like, it's something that, like, I don't really take into account that often that, like, a lot of people who are, like, you know, streaming, a lot of people who are, like, big in the, like, the review space um, grew up with on-demand content. Like, they grew up with... Netflix, they grew up with Hulu and all the streaming services and stuff like that. And they really, they really aren't used to 
like a like a full on weekly release type of television show. So it's like you have to take that into account when you're uh you know when you're reviewing shows like this, you know, I think that we're pretty good at like understanding like you can have one off episode. But if you get in especially like if you get into like two three off episodes in a row, that's when we'll start like saying Hey, something's up here. We got to get things back on track. I think that's what our conversation around Bad Batch has been recently is like, hey, let's get the ball moving again. Um, but with Mando, you know, you got eight episodes. If you take one off, like I can understand people are like, oh, there's only eight. But like, hey, it's it's good to get some backstory. It's good to have a little bit of character development and growth happening. Um, and, you know, I think that's what this episode was. And it's also probably accounts for why it was as short as it was, you know, like we were, we were complaining last week, oh, this is only a 30 minute long episode. Honestly, it's probably for the best that this episode was 30 minutes because it cut the fat, it got right to what we wanted to see. And then it let us go back about our, our merry ways. Well, Nick, luckily I figured out that the issue we were talking about before with your feed was still fucked up. No one could hear you for about 30 <laughs> seconds there. Uh, but they did hear the end of your rant. So uh, it, it's fixed now. But yeah, like I said, hey. fuck technology, even though it is my arena. Like I, I literally teach technology to people, yet I now more or less hate dealing with it in my personal life. But he's back. I, I was not potting Nick down on purpose. Uh, the, the fact that that's the only issue so far is good because dude, I, I, I built a soundboard into the show now, so I'm sure that's going to probably literally explode Nick. Like if you see his head just pop off, it's probably because of the new soundboard I put in and uh, it, it somehow is wired to his brain and exploded his gray matter. But well, 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 <laughs> Hey, listen, if you're, if you're new here, part of the charm of the star Wars time show live stream is that it's usually fucked up. And, and not just the hosts or me in particular, but the whole presentation, the technology, everything. You never know what's going to happen. But like I said, there is a, a new soundboard put in there. I don't know if anyone can hear it, but here's our buddy, you know, Mr. That's right. He's he's now a, a part of the show. So that means Nick probably can't talk anymore. So we'll, we'll shoot out <laughs> a little a little Chewbacca sound now. Look at that. We got we got Fred built into the show finally. I just need to find some good drops. So so far we've got some cheering, we've got Chewbacca, uh, Darth Vader. You know we got a so plasma shooting, R two D two. So if anyone can think of cool sound bites for us to use, let us know. I'm sure some of our own sayings may work as well on the show, but we now have that. Uh, it just depends what has it broken so far. So Nick, can you still talk? <laughs> I am speaking right yeah, now. Yeah, he's still going. It's still going. All he's right, still man. Going. You um, <laughs> before we get knee deep into the Mandalorian, because I I could tell you were itching, you're ready to go, you were already starting to peel some of the layers off. Real quick though, a little pop culture talk. We're gonna keep it short and sweet. Uh, but I did check out John Wick four last week on uh, early release day, and I have to say, if you are a fan of the franchise, it, it remains strong. What I will tell you for number four, though, is everyone involved in that movie got a little bit too self-indulgent, okay? Little too, little too much of everything. Like, when, when, when we're getting to the three-hour mark on a John Wick movie, that's too much, okay? That is, as, as Stunt Buddy called it, stunt porn, okay? There, there, there is a balance, <laughs> and the John Wick franchise balanced it really well in one and two, 
started to get a little bit longer in three, but in four, like I said, Chad, David, Keanu, everyone involved, they're like, fuck it. Let's just do it up. Let's have 30 minute action sequences. I'm not kidding. Like 30 minutes straight, like pop, 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 poof, 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 poof. nunchucks, pencils, you name it. And of course, as a man with testicles, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but three hours of it, Nick, it's like, okay, okay, enough is enough. We love Wick. We love Baba Yaga. We love, mm-hmm. you know, Jadanian or whatever his Russian name was. But you people, Chad, you need to you need to edit this shit down. Keep it keep it feeling tight, quick. The pacing was a little bit slow, but for all intents and purposes, John Wick Four is definitely a movie you need to check out if you're a fan of the franchise. It's up there. I, I, I'd say it's an eight to nine out of ten. Just a little long, a little long. And, Do you um, think that this was a proper send off for our friend Lance Reddick, who I believe this might have been the last film he was in right you know what's odd nick without giving away spoil spoilers it it kind of like puts his character to bed a bit oh yeah you could definitely say that (laughs) you can there is there is resolution to the um whatever he has the the desk clerk at the continental or or his concierge i'm sorry it's winston's concierge um yeah, I mean he he gets his his turn in the spotlight and and the the arc there is resolution. Uh, I wouldn't say it necessarily honors the the actor because obviously they didn't know this was going to happen while while filming. Yeah. Uh, but it's good. I mean it, it obviously just like all the other Wicks pretty much picks up right after the last one. So if you're current through Parabellum, uh, you have an idea where where things are going and they go there. And it, it like I said, it's good. Uh, you, you could say that this would be a, an, an ending point for the franchise, but because it made a bunch of cash, uh, Chad Stolensky and the group, they're, they're talking about, hey, how can we do number five? So don't be surprised if we get another John Wick, and I'll dude, definitely be there to check it out. Dude, like I, I'm just waiting for the Wick franchise to kind of morph into like, a, a pseudo like matrix like follow-up because well they're all in got... there i mean he he has essentially the whole cast is in there yeah i would say it's it, so is is you have Fishburne. Yep. you have uh keanu obviously yep. is carrie ann moss in this one she is not she hasn't made it in um agent smith hasn't made it in but I, yeah i would say those are the, like the, the two big yeah. names you're missing to just make this a tangential matrix spinoff just just like for if you're going to do five, just add fucking get Hugo Weaving, who plays Agent Smith, get him in there. Get Carrie Ann Moss, who plays Trinity. Just get them in there as some kind of characters and then <laughs> just fucking just ride this thing into the sunset. And then all I would almost just set it up to where like. The movie ends with. John Wick getting an office job and changing his name to to Thomas Anderson yeah. <laughs> to, to like get there off the grid because he's like <laughs> I'm done with this life I'm gonna fucking go uh. off the grid nobody's gonna find me change my name I get a regular job and then boom you just go right into the first matrix <laughs> I just realized I played the achievement sound and a little achievement logo actually pops up on the stream <laughs> nice sweet. here how about this I am a huge John Wick that's right. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, check it out. L- listen, if you think about it, the John Wick franchise 
at least in the past 15 years, is like one of the only new IPs that have popped up in Hollywood. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like everything else is, you know, obviously John Wick itself has become a, a, a sequel type of IP. But in terms of just something brand new, it showed up in 2014 and became this juggernaut franchise now. And you don't really see those anymore because everything, every studio, I mean, even Star Wars itself, it's like, all right, how can we print more money? What, what's familiar? Let's 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 uh, kind of stoke up their nostalgia, that type of stuff. But. John Wick, yeah. here we go. All right, so moving right along, like I said, um, we've got plenty of Star Wars to get into. We even had our own exclusive this week, Nick, a Mandalorian exclusive. <laughs> got picked up on Reddit, got picked up by making Star Wars. They gave us our glory on Reddit. They're like, hey, these guys, they actually hit before in Kenobi, so slowly but surely... Our name's Starting getting out to get there. some yeah, get, get a little, credibility. A little street cred. I mean, it actually got on the Reddit without me having to beg any of you to do it. So we're out there, which is a win for us. And, and it just goes to show you how I always bitch and moan about, hey, I wish I wasn't a lazy ass and would rely on my connections a bit more. Because that stuff is sometimes boring uh, as it can get or it, it seems silly or low-hanging fruit or is it a rumor or not. It tracks. So... Um, I probably should stop being lazy and just ask more of my friends that have these um, inside connections here. Because, uh, you know, we're, ne we're never going to get any love from Team Elevate. They're, they're too in with the, with the crew now that they're not going to share their, their insights. And, and I respect that, you know. I, I don't want those, those two gentlemen, Justin and, and Devin, to fuck up what they've started. So I'm just going to have no, to go back they, to... They the the old shitheads that I don't talk to enough. Yeah, they uh I don't wanna I don't wanna get Justin and Devin in trouble for sure. No. They got a good thing going. Yes, yeah, so uh, we'll leave them alone. Keep even, all of your secrets. Yeah, boys. even even though I was being a baby last week. Like, oh, come on. <laughs> but you know, screw us. They they got something good going. So but hey, like I said, the the other avenue that I have and I don't rely on very much definitely came through with something. So we'll talk about that. Plus MSW, as Ahsoka ramps up, he's got some interesting rumors that help shape the plot a bit more. So here we go. I mean, my man already was getting into it. He's chomping at the bit Ready for The Mandalorian. All right. So Nick, go ahead and just dive back into your mini review and then I'll go and, and we'll start breaking this thing down fully. Yeah. So I think that you know, where I left off, I was saying that I think 30 minutes was like a perfect amount of time for this episode. Um, obviously, with only eight episode runs, you want to have longer episodes as much as possible. But I think like for this one in particular and for the story that was being told, if we would have stretched it out any longer, it probably would have gotten to the point where people were starting to like, you know, feel like it was a little too long. Um, I like that we got some backstory on Grogu knocked out. We, we, um, in, in a fantastic fashion, I will say, both in terms of, um, you know, seeing the, the full escape like we were hoping to see, but also the big one, we get Ahmed yeah. Best back, <laughs> Kellen back. How like, about that, it, dude? Let, let, let's just go ahead. Let, let's just spin out on that a little bit. I mean, you know, even you know, I, I don't think Bat's in here, but, you know, he was like Jar Jar Banks and there's some other people like Jar Jar Banks is going to say it. So, you know, all of them, they're like, ha ha ha. I told you. It's like, well, yeah, funny, <laughs> funny joke. Technically. But Technically. 
I mean, how about that? You know, a, a lot of us, we were we were fixated on like a, a known Jedi. I know on this show we, we speculated, well, could it be just someone that isn't quite in your face in Star Wars lore? And, you know, you had the great idea of like, well, yeah, listen, what if it's Skywalker coming to get Grogu for Palpatine? And, yeah. and we finally got it. And it, it was. It was Ahmed Best, the, the actor that portrayed Jar Jar Banks in the prequels, who almost killed himself because of that portrayal and uh, toxicity of the, of the fandom and, and really more so of the media. Because you got to remember back during the prequels, we didn't have all this stupid shit that is poisoning people's brains and tearing down society. The, the, people did not have these platforms that they have now. And uh, one, one would have to think, I mean, Mr. Best probably may have gone through with the deed if, if we had Twitter and, and TikTok and Instagram and all this shit back then. So yeah. I, I think that's what, I think that was the best part for me, Nick. And, and we'll, we'll get back to your review was not redemption for him. He doesn't need fucking redemption. Okay. Ahmed Best doesn't need redeemed. He yeah. was hired to play a fucking role and did a great job at it. I was never a big Jar Jar hater. All right. Like, I was like, okay, whatever. George has always said this is for kids. And uh, the first time I showed it to my young daughter, she was laughing her ass off, ass off at him. So George knew something. But I, I never yeah. had beef with him. And it, it's just, I, I don't like these people like, oh, he's redeemed. I'm glad. He, didn't, he didn't sign up to, to get his teeth kicked in. He did a damn good job. You gotta remember, Ahmed Best is the first ever fully CGI character in cinema. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there, there's, I mean, he was... there's no Gollum without Jar Jar. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he was there on set with these actors, you know, in full, like in like full costume. He's got like a huge thing on top of his yeah, head that represents Jar Jar's head. Glasses from Back to the Future 2, you know, like those, those yeah, wraparound I mean, blind people glasses. It was great. If, if anything, you could argue that like he played that role to perfection and the, the, the issues that people have with it aren't issues with the character. It's issues or issues with his performance. It's issues with how uh, George built the character. So, I mean, I don't, I agree with you. I don't think that Ahmed Best had to redeem himself for anything. He did a, an absolutely incredible job playing a character that was written the way that it was written. And, you know, it's, it's really, that was something that like this, this is something that in general, the Star Wars fandom is not good at is like separating the actor from the role and, um, I mean, we've seen it happen in the past with other actors as well. So I'm, I'm happy. I don't know who made the call to like cast him. I wonder if it was Carl because this was Carl Weathers' episode. Um, I would imagine I, that I, I it would, probably wasn't. I, I'm assuming this was probably a, a John and, and Dave decision. Yeah. But like just the, like the, the, not even the foresight, but like the, the call to make him, Keller and Beck and put him in this role was fantastic. I actually think that he plays Keller and Beck uh, yeah. or in that like Jedi yeah. temple. Yeah, Th- that, 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 you're series. right, Nick. That so. is where the character was established. The, the Jedi temple challenge, it ran for like a season on, on Disney plus where he, it was, a, yeah. it was like a game show, but it was themed. He, yeah. he dressed up and treated the contestants like Padawans and all that. Yeah. It was like a little kid show. It was almost like legends of the hidden temple. If you're old enough to remember that on Nickelodeon. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, overall, I think that we got a lot out of this episode that we wanted to get. We got the story of Grogu's rescue. I'm sure it, it may continue from there, too, because as far as we know, uh, you know, 
Keller and Beck and Grogu hop yeah, in this let, Nubian. Let's save that for when we get to the top <laughs> moments, because, yeah, I got thoughts, too, on on yeah. his friends in quotes, as he says. Exactly. Um, and then from there, um, my thoughts on the on like the Grogu and Mandalorian side of things. Um, interesting, very self-contained episode to where they are currently. Um, and it's kind of setting up a an interesting kind of cross point where we get to, you know, you know, like what, like how much is, is Bo-Katan dedicated to this cause, like to this creed and, and everything that she's dealing with now. Um, and what is going to happen when the, you know, the, 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 I guess the armor and her contingent actually believe her that she did see a myth. That was great. Waters. I mean, that that's why I I don't know why I don't know what show people are watching, but I, I I'm digging this season of Mandalorian. But when when Bo tells her, like Bo just is, becomes vulnerable, it's like, listen, you crazy lady, I saw the motherfucker, and the crazy lady's like, oh, it's okay, Bo. Whatever sure you yeah, did, whatever you said, good job, Miss Crease. Now why don't you go take a nap, you psycho? It's like, yeah, what so. the hell? You gotta love the art. Like the armorer is becoming my my second favorite character this season. It, it's it's Bo and the armorer, then Grogu, then Din coming in in fourth place, and I'm okay with yeah. that. Nick, I really think your mantra is coming into play right now. The Mandalorian I, I, is no longer about Din Jaren. Yeah, I mean it's it's about the Mandalorian people. I mean, and and here's what's interesting is. From that interaction between the armor and Bo, like you have to almost believe that, like, does the armor not even believe her own bullshit? That's what I'm saying. Like, she is the best gas lighter in all of Star Wars. Yeah. It's like you have this woman, you know, in in Bo Katan Kreese, who is a a royal family member of, of Mandalorian society, was in line to take the throne after her sister. Um, and this person who is of, you know, I mean, you could, you know, maybe the armor doesn't believe her because she was, you know, not a creed member before two days ago, but like you have this woman who is a a very high esteem in Mandalorian culture telling you that I saw a living mythosaur in the living waters (laughs) under Mandalore. And she's just like, yeah, whatever. I'm sure you did go. Good job. We all have visions like that sometimes. Like, no, I physically saw it. It's like, Sure you did. Yeah, yeah she's so, like, good job, Bo. Yeah, I, I'm very interested to see how this plays out because as of, yeah, as of like, you know, this episode, since Bo-Katan has come into this covert, she has basically led everything yeah. that they've done. She's running like, the fucking show, man. Yeah. she Like, th- this kid gets taken by a fucking drag, like a pterodactyl. And they're like, well, we can't reach him with the jetpack, so I guess he's just fucked. <laughs> and Bo Katan's like, you know, we can just climb. Well, hey, dude, like, now, we can- I, this was in a ha moment. So since you brought it up, and <laughs> we haven't even gotten into moments, but since you brought it up, are, are we are we at the point now where we have to question the collective intelligence of Mandalorians, at least this specific cult? Because I th- they, yeah. they they live right in front of essentially a death pit that has killer crocs in it. And, and raptors that come through and take their people <laughs> on the regular. Like, Paz yeah. was like, hey, dude, don't shoot. This happens all the fucking time. And when they were in the nest, you could see helmets and, and fucking armor. So, like, these people, 
within 20 yards of their home is is nothing but death yet they they choose to train right there and they choose not to leave so it's what the fuck's wrong with these people like are they just gluttons to suffer like do they love the suffering is that what makes them tougher or what and and that's the thing that's what i was going to bring up is like it's a very religious type of mindset to be like suffering is a part of life and you just take the suffering that is thrown your way (laughs) that's right it's the catholic way is like Bo's like, dude, we can just go get the kid. Like, like we saw where this thing flew and you guys are saying that your jetpacks can't make it. I have a ship and we have grappling hooks. We can just fucking climb up there and get them. It's almost like they're just so used to like just eating shit yeah. that they don't even like <laughs> when the opportunity amazing. arises to like actually be able to to do something to better the circumstance they're like oh man we didn't even really think about that yeah. we just thought that it was normal for our kids they're to like, get stolen wow. by these fucking pterodactyls bo katan has her own spaceship oh <laughs> I, I, hey who like, knows like like don't get me wrong i am coming around to the cult i am digging the cult now like and and if we get another episode of cult life so be it i'm all for it <laughs> But they are, it, it really is like Bo, and maybe that's why they're they're drawn to her. They're just like, holy shit, she can actually do stuff for herself. She's got a spaceship. She doesn't just stand there and get eaten by raptors and crocodiles. She's pretty fucking good. And she saved our, a, a, a foundling slash son. That's something else I want to talk about. But um, I, I guess my two cents on, on this episode, again, I, I enjoyed it. The, I know we were bitching about the short runtime, but it was nice and nice and zippy. And I think it told two great little stories. Obviously the story of the, uh, Bo's time with the cult and Grogu's time with the cult. Uh, the foundling, unfortunately, I, I mean, we, our predictions were pretty damn good. Like, I, I'm not going to lie. We, we were, we were pretty spot on again i i said we were going to be back on the covert planet see him flying through the the caverns i thought maybe the empire would be chasing him. no it was a bird and they were chasing it and of course we got the 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 foundling stuff but to me nick the the duality of the foundling do you believe it was grogu and ragnar i mean yeah i would say Ragnar's so, becoming like a thing at this point everybody like but he, like, but here's the thing is like ragnar isn't a foundling like Ragnar. Okay. All right. Since since you 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 brought it up, and and I'm with you too, because list. I mean, he Paz literally says my son. Ragnar says yeah. my dad. But then when they all come back, Armorer Tabo says you did. You've earned a high honor. You have rescued a foundling. Rescued a foundling. So yeah. what is it? Is is Ragnar like genetic Vizsla or a foundling? And you know, like the, he just calls him dad and son. That that's what I was trying to 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 really figure out is like at, at some point is is Grogu going to like call Din dad because he's just like he's his foundling father. It's hard to track because. Well, here's the other point, I mean, Nick. What, what the Din say to the judge? He's my ward, not he's my son yeah, he's, or I'm his. He's ward. not my I'm, son. I'm sorry. I'm his ward is what he said. I'm his ward. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, like to me. When Paz says he's my son, when Ragnar is like, that's my father, that's my dad, like, to me, that meant like a familial, like, blood relationship. But I guess, like, I guess maybe it's like whoever finds you is your father or are your parents. 
So, or do they just consider like any Mandalorian child a foundling? I mean, that would make sense. That, yeah, Nick, I think that that could be the other possibility. It's if you're small and you don't have your full kit yet, you're you're still a foundling. You're still a foundling. Yeah, because it's did you go from foundling to apprentice to I guess full on Mandalorian? Yeah. Because that's what you know. So Din was I, saying I think. Is I like, mean, honestly, I think we just resolved it ourselves. So you guys can send your checks in the mail. Go ahead. Good for <laughs> us. We're the best. We know. Thank you. There we go. That that is solved. All little Mandos are called foundlings, but Ragnar truly is a a DNA based son to Paz. And I will agree with Spas Spencer in the uh, live stream chat. If you want to join the live stream, don't forget Tuesdays five p East New Time at Star Wars Time Show on YouTube. But Spas saying that Paz looked weak in this episode, and and I'm with you, man. And I I also think. Some of our our our, our long term speculations are are starting to crumble with with Paz the armor and the cult. Like I I just I have a hard time thinking now that that Paz is going to try to undermine the two people that just saved his kid. Uh, there's always ambition. He is a Vizla. There is the dark saber. So I I do understand that. But I I I'm really starting to believe that this Mandalorian unit is starting to coalesce with their new members and, and they all kind of dig each other and they are seeing what they can do as one when they work together. So I'm not so much in the camp of we're going to have some shit go down between Paz and Din, the armor and bow. Now I, I, I honestly think they're becoming a clan, like a true clan. Yeah. What I, the only thing that I don't want to happen is like, all of this to like, our, you know, we, we, we go through the whole dealio and then the, the ultimate ending is like, well, it's still just like live by the creed, die by the creed, because I think that there needs to be an evolution of that, you know, like they Wait, you're if right, because I, they, they're going to have to figure out ways to get the other factions to buy in. And if the other yeah. factions are so anti-helmet all the time, y- you got to figure something out. I, I, who knows? Maybe Bo by the end's like, no, listen, I spent all the time with these motherfuckers and look at all the successes we've had. I've done nothing but fail until I bought into the creed. So, yeah, we're, we're into the creed now. You never know. I mean, Man, she, I, she could become would... like the a you know, a fucking Pope in this religion at some point. <laughs> I, I would really hate that. Like if that happened, I don't know how much I could support <laughs> the Bo, show anymore. Becomes the armor because too, you're essentially saying like, yeah, I mean like, cause think of the messaging behind that. It's like, Oh, well if you're feeling down on yourself, like Bo, like Katie admitted in, or Katie said in the interview that we talked about last week that like Bo is now kind of like in a state where she is, listless she has no idea what to do she's very vulnerable and like that's how you get pulled into a cult which she has but if the ultimate lesson is like hey if you're listless and vulnerable and all this stuff and you join a cult it's going to work out for you like i think that's a bad message to send so i just i hope that the the ending or like the the resolution of this creed mandalorian stuff is not we all keep our helmets on if you ever fuck up you better be in store you're in store for uh you know living waters or whatever the leader of the cult tells you to do to make up for it and hey guess what we still can't live in regular society we have to live in death caves 
because that's what we've been doing. If that's how this like little storyline comes to an end, holy fuck, what a terrible message to send to people. Like I, I, in like, that may be the end of me watching that show Uh-oh. because if that's really how they fucking write it, I don't know I, if I yeah, can I watch don't, it. Yeah, I don't think it's going to go that way, but I, I do think she she's coming around to life in in this commune. If anything else, uh, I don't know if she's going to start spreading the gospel to other Mandalorians, but I, I think this is her her clan as of right now. You know what I mean? Um, I, I like this from Johnny in here. All Mando youth are foundlings, not all foundlings are sons. Yes, that that is correct. What what are those things called, Nick? If you know where, where you say like, um, oh, things are like mutually exclusive, something like that. Like or like poop yeah. is to pee as uh, vomit is oh. to bile or something like that. <laughs> what are those called? Yeah. You have to take them on the SATs or ACTs. I mean, uh, is it an analogy? analogy? Is it an analogy? I have no clue. We're stupid, right? I don't remember. Let's just stop. Literary devices. I know how to write them. I don't remember the terms. (laughs) We're sounding dumber and dumber (laughs) as it goes on. So yeah, anyways, to kind of round out just our, our personal takes on this episode, I I enjoyed it. I'm, I'm all for this type of stuff. Even, even the short run times, It, it was nice and tight and it was a good balance of, of the Mando life and, and seeing Grogu, uh, kind of become part of the clan fully, which I dug. I know some people didn't like how those scenes looked, but I love the little guy. I mean, I you're, you're never going to convince me to hate Grogu. Um, and, uh, you know, you, you got the more bowed in armor Paz interaction and just life as a Mandalorian in the cult. I dig it. You, you know, the, the, the fireplace scene, Paz yielding the seat, uh, Bo whispering like, "Hey, what the hell are we supposed to do when we eat?" Like, I don't know. Yeah. I I dig all this little minutia that seems to be really upsetting the fandom. But who I, get, I who do gives a like shit? how they're yeah. I, I do like how they're like diving into more of the like you said the minutia behind yes. the cult. Yes, like I even d- even the opening so, training scene that that's what we're gonna start as our first top moment. I I dig that type of stuff, even though they look yeah. goofy that they're just you know shooting into. Water, water and and blowing shit up but that is stuff i dig and, and nick you know i've always said i like the the little itty bitty lore that most people could care less about it's it's this yeah. stuff mandalorian lifestyle i could watch this all day long yeah so um but yeah i mean like my overall thoughts very positive on the episode um yeah man i mean it's gonna be really interesting to see how the rest of this season progresses because i mean we're that's the halfway point. We only got four left. So, um, you know, I could maybe understand why some people are getting a little antsy because it feels like maybe um, we don't really have a good direction right now. You know, like, but that, where it, are it, we going? From isn't here? there a bit of excitement in that? And that's I why I was so happy at the end of episode two when they killed his quest, because then I was like, well, shit it's pretty open. wide open at this point in time, you know? And, and, and I, I enjoy that. I mean, I, I trust in John and Dave that they're going to stick the landing. Okay. They, they haven't given me a reason not to yet. So I'm not going to sit here every Wednesday and be like, well, shit, I don't know everything yet. Where's it fucking going? They didn't te- They didn't give me all the answers. Like well, people, that's, that's what this is. Star Wars has always been serialized. I mean, George based it on the shit he used to watch as a kid, like Flash Gordon, where you'd get an episode, then have to wait, and then get an episode and some more information, then wait. It's okay. Just trust the people. 
that are writing the story. I know a lot of you have no trust in Lucasfilm, Kathleen, Bob, you name it, but just remember, John and Dave are the ones crafting the narrative. It'll be okay. Yeah. It'll yeah. be okay. So, trust. Trust in the force. Trust the process. Oh. Um, all right, dude, how yeah. about some top moments? And, and I had three in this episode. It was a short episode. Uh, I, you probably could have picked a few more, but I, I, I picked three. And like I said, I started with the Mando training school. I, I just, I loved how that was the opening shot. I liked seeing what they're doing, how, you know, they, 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 they train everything, right, Nick? They, they train everything in their kid. They, they were shooting their, their grappling hooks out, using their flamethrowers, using their melee weapons, their blasters, yes, their jetpacks. I mean, even hand to hand combat. Hand to hand. They were, yeah, they were doing everything. Um, so. But what I also enjoyed about this scene was the the Grogu perspective. How he was, you know, all the other kids are are, are, are training, working out, beating the shit out of each other. Ragnar's tossing people left or right and winning. And our little dude, our our fifty plus year old kids, just sitting there. Hanging out with nature, kind of like he's he's apt to do, chilling with uh, some hermit crabs. I, Star Wars hermit crabs, it is. I, I do like that. How they, at first, you're like, is he moving the rocks around with the force? But then you're like, nah, those are just little critters. He's waiting to eat. Uh, but I, I like how his dad comes over. He's like, all right, buddy, you know, time to suck it up. You can't just fucking sit on your ass your whole life. You got to get in there and train. You, you can't always be a foundling. So you got to like <laughs> Din. Din's like a typical dad fucking pushing the son to to be a man. You know what I mean? Uh, and then the duel. And I, I know there's a lot of people that have a problem with the way the duel was shot. Whatever. Grogu's a fucking puppet. Get over it. Suspend disbelief. I still thoroughly enjoyed Grogu's duel. I, I love the overconfidence of, of Ragnar. Uh, but then again, just seeing this little fucking puppet with his new mommy putting on the little dart gauntlet. And then the, you know, the shot I have on the live stream now, I mean, I don't care. Call me a pussy. This the little thing is so goddamn cute sometimes that I cannot help but stare at him and smile and want to be around him. So, you know, he's doing, he does his little flips and he's just getting shot looking at his dad. And then he gives, you know, homeboy the, the blast, 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 shoots him three times and, 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 uh, you know, victory for Grogu. I don't know. I mean, did you think that that I all mean, looked silly or what? I mean, it definitely looks silly. Um, like when he did the flip thing, definitely looks silly. But then also like you have to make a choice in that situation because through the whole series, they have committed to Grogu being a real physical puppet. Like they have not CGI'd him other than like when they absolutely need to. And they've, I don't think that they've ever yeah, done. I, a I don't full think he, CG. he's been CG yet. Honestly, I, I don't yeah, know. Like, like, I don't know for sure, but I, I think everything is, is puppet. The only thing they're wiping yeah. are his puppeteers. Exactly. Like they wipe the puppeteers and then the strings in this case, obviously, but like they've never CGI'd him. They've never, they've never, I mean, like maybe they may have like CGI'd some things around him, but he's always been a physical puppet. So it would have been weird if you would have all of a sudden through three seasons of TV had this physical puppet that's always been a physical puppet turn into a CGI thing just to do a flip. Yeah. And he, he starts moving like, like his, his dad Yoda, like Yoda. all of a sudden you're <laughs> yeah, like, Oh, like whoa, Yoda. wait, Whoa. I, I don't remember that from Luke's training. What the hell happened here? Grogu. Yeah. So uh, I, I was okay. The only thing that I thought at the, at the, at the end of it was like, 
Well, if you could shoot three bullets all at once, why didn't Ragnar just shoot well, it, him three it, times when he was point. standing there? And it, it, if you listen <laughs> to the judge, the judge did lay out that rule to start. I, I made sure that that okay. was that was laid out. The judge says you during each round you may fire your darts any way you wish. So, yeah, Ragnar's just stupid, and 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 I like yeah. the line, and, and I like that even his dad was like, yeah, if if you don't know, don't fucking talk. I mean, that's not what Din said, but it's another one of the the creeds. Essentially, like if one who doesn't know shouldn't speak, something like that. It's like, well, there you go. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, they're 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 clearly setting up a rivalry between the Vizlas and the Jarins at this point in time. Um, I think it's going to remain friendly. Like I said, I mean, at this point, Paz owes Din big. Uh, so I, I don't see how things get off the rails at that point in time. But there is, it, it does seem like. Ragnar and Grogu are going to be kind of like the, uh, you know, the top dogs of their of their foundling class, if you will. Yeah, no, it seems like it. Um, I know that, you know, Grogu's got a bit a bit of an unfair advantage because he can use the force. But, you know, y- you have to work with what uh, with what skills you have. So um, and, and my- it is going to be interesting. While we're talking about this guy, I just want to remind everyone because a lot of the Star Wars internet is starting to kind of come around to this. But, you know, you you heard it here many, many eons ago. I've been pitching this guy as the next Force user hybrid for a long time. Don't forget it when it happens, all right? He he is the inverse of Tar Vizsla. Instead of being a Mandalorian that became a Jedi, he is a force user that is becoming a mandalorian and yes i've seen the videos i don't know if you've seen them nick but if you shine a a flashlight underneath a mandalore or a mythosaur skull the shadow at the top forms a perfect grogu shadow now oh, really who knows if that's just the fandom getting a little too into the weeds you, yeah but you, you never know I, i'm telling you i mean the guy the little guy made a choice to leave the greatest Jedi of his time to rejoin the Mandalorian Creed. So, I mean, if you think about it, he turned down one religion for another. Yeah. Like he was like, he made the choice to go Mando. So don't be surprised if he is a full Mandalorian at some point in time in this, in this series, the next Mando force user. Uh, I just, you know, I, I, I always need to remind people of, are amazing speculative qualities. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, we're pretty good at it. (laughs) Good deal. So there he is. Grogu is the next Mandalore or maybe. All right. So next top moment, this is a no freaking brainer here. We knew this was coming many months ago. Thanks to the trailers. Uh, And we got it. We, We finally got some meat in regards to Grogu's order 66 escape. Uh, up until now, it's been mostly bullshit. You know, we, we first learned that he was at the temple from Ahsoka. You know, his, his, his first flashback, we just saw him behind the, the Jedi, and that was about it. And then, you know, we had the trailers to tease it, but now we finally got it. And, and my goodness, was it, was it fantastic. And as Nick speculated earlier, we're clearly not done with it either. But more on that in a few seconds. So, um, and Nick, I loved everything about this scene. I, I like that Grogu is almost triggered into these PTSD flashbacks when he sees mm-hmm. sparks or loud noises, you know, the armor kind of kicked him into this one when she was forging his little pimp ass rondelle. 
Um, but it was it was just it, it, everything about it was was great. You know, they, they they gave us answers. That was the most important thing to me. Um, from yeah. from the get go, you could hear them or read them if you're using captions. But the, those four Jedi were like, "Get him to Kellerin! Get him! Get him! We got to get him to Kellerin!" And I'm like, "Kellerin! Holy shit! I've heard this before, but it wasn't quite clicking yet." And then. You know, they, they, they get him into the elevator and he's going up and you're like, oh, they're going to open the door and he's going to get fucking blasted. And the other thing real quick, did anyone notice how tiny little 20 year old Grogu is, by the way? I mean, no. I bet Nick, he's probably palm size at this point in time. Think he's that? You think he's, I mean, I did notice that his head was like a little smaller. I, let's just say so I, like- I spent a little too much time comparing screenshots last week. And, and it, it is a noticeable size, <laughs> size difference in all of his features. Uh, so he has grown in, in the 30 years. Yeah. But I just like, look at him. I got one shot up now on the live stream. He's just so fucking tiny. He's like, <laughs> he's like a little bean, man. Uh, so, that, you know, they get him in there and you're, the, the tension's coming in, the elevator ride, and, and lo and behold, who opens the door? But as soon as I saw that face, I was like, fuck yeah. I was like, I, I don't even care that Kelleran Beck is, you know, from a, from a game show. From a, yeah, like a kid's show. That, that's, that's a mod best. That's the sabered hand. Look at his pimped out uh, Jedi tunic with that gold High Republic-esque inlay busting out the dual sabers when he sees the one laying on the ground. And, and people that know about Keller and Beck, the sabered hand, he is quite adept at, at dual blade fighting. Uh, and, and he is, he's a, he's a teacher of, of the young ones. He kind of decides when the younglings, the Padawans are ready to take the trials. So he's, he's a bit above just being say a, a, a master. He's the one that determines like, Hey, has Besides. your master, yeah. Has your master gotten you, to a level that you could take the trials to become a Jedi Knight. So when at the end of episode one, when Obi-Wan says, I'm ready to take the trials, the person who told him that he wasn't ready before that was Keller and Beck. Mr. Beck. He was like, get the fuck out of here, man. That's right. So, you know, it was just awesome seeing him med and and not so much just just seeing him playing the role, but knowing what it was going to do for him as a human. And it, it was such a positive reaction for him, Nick, that he actually uh, was on Star Wars' official platforms yesterday, just just kind of shouting out like, hey, holy, holy hell, this past week, these past five days have been absolutely amazing. Thank you, fans. I'm a fan first and foremost, yada, yada, yada. But you could, you could truly tell that Ahmed was, was touched by how we all received his... Um, reintroduction into the prequel era as a as a new character but you know what nick it wasn't even just finally getting answers it was a damn good scene i mean the rescue itself was had good action beats he gets on that bark they're you know flying through coruscant dodging shit you got lats coming around uh, v-wings and then where i kind of want to get in the weeds a little bit you know, he's he's talking to Grogu and he's like, hey, I, I've got some friends. And, and we learned that the friends are from Naboo. So my question mm-hmm. to you, we, we know it's not Padme because at this point in time, she's sitting in her apartment, staring at the Jedi Temple, burning down, crying, wondering what the fuck her shithead husband is up to. But there would have been someone else from Naboo on Coruscant at this point in time, and that is Senator Jar Jar Binks. Um, yep. 
Kalorin met with they, they those are Nabu guards, but they're Senate guards. Those are Senate yeah, guards. Yeah, that's what for, I was gonna say. It was very clearly Nabu mm-hmm. Senate guards. Yeah, but yeah. E- even in the credits, I made sure it credited them as as Nabu Senate guards. So they're 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 there for a senator. Padme is no longer a senator. Jar Jar is. So I, I don't think it's a, and I'm not really even going to pound my chest over this because I think it's pretty clear that Kalorin's friends on Naboo are 99% likely to be Jar Jar Binks. Yeah. Uh, the, the only other person I could think of would, would be Tanaka or, That's what I was or, the, say is, or the Handmaidens. Yeah, the, Captain Tanaka was one of my thoughts because I was like, well, he definitely survived. Like, we know he survived the attack on Naboo in episode one. We really didn't see him after that. Um, and then the only other thing that I could think of at the time is like those who would become the Amidalans on Naboo after right, everything, which, which has is happened. led by the the handmaids. I mean, I'm I'm yeah. I just did a, a quick cap on the latest Vader, and my goodness, like. The handmaidens are fully mixed into it. Sabe is essentially like his Padme too at this point in time. She's in the Empire Commander Sabe. So, yeah, but you're right. They, the the Amidalans, that's what they call themselves. They mm-hmm. were freedom fighters against the Empire on Naboo. And, and sure, Jar Jar could be looped into that. I mean, I, I really think this is Jar Jar's fucking ship. Uh, and I would not be surprised if in the next season or the next Mandoverse show, if we get another Grogu flashback, which I think we're we're still owed a few more. I, I I feel good that we know how he got out, but I still want to know how he ended up in a fucking random bunker full of Nicktoes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think there's there- a lot. There's a lot left to figure out with Grogu, man. There's there's so much left. So, right, because we yeah, we we they, they leave going into hyperspace. So there's a good chance we're going to see Keller and Beck again at some point in the Mandoverse and learn more about who Grogu was left with. And it would make sense if he was left with a with a Jar Jar, the Handmaidens, or as Nick's saying, the the beginning of the uh, possibly the Amidalan uh, resistance force. Uh, but 100% Naboo, just like Alderaan, seems to be one of the biggest champions of freedom in the Star Wars galaxy. They're always willing to do what is right and spring out those who are in a sticky situation. So much respect to the Nabooinians. Nabooinians? Yeah, Nabooinians. So, okay, <laughs> so this is what I was going to ask too. Is Nubian the way that they say, like, would that be Nabooian? Because you remember in episode one, he was like, oh yeah, we have a Nubian J-type starfighter we need a thing for. And that was the ship huh. from Naboo. That was, that, that was you know, that's ship. a That's a good question. I always thought it was just a, like a manufacturer name, like a, but. Yeah. But now this ship that he's on now is the exact same well, not the exact same, but you, it's clearly the same make well, it's, from it, Naboo because it, it, it's, it's all that mirrored chrome. I'm pretty sure it's the same ship we see uh, Padme and Anakin farting around in in Attack of the Clones, at least model. I'm not saying it is the ship, but it yeah. is. It's the, it's same, the same model for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like they're the like the Corvette from Phantom Menace. Like that one is that that, no. that ship is no. that thing was sexy as fuck. This this is more of like a, you know, like a vacation cruiser. Yeah. So I, I, I was wondering and I wanted to ask you about I was like, do you think yeah, that that Nubian means 
like I, of Naboo or like from Naboo. Very well could. I don't know. Sounds good to me. Well. We'll, we'll call them <laughs> Nubians at this point in time. Yeah. Like, I mean, the thing is, yeah, I mean, who knows? But like I've heard, like I just made that connection when I saw the ship. I heard, you know, I remembered episode one. I was like, maybe Nubian is just how they say like Nabooians or Nabooites or whatever else you would call them. Oh, let's ask R2. Oh. I think he told us to just eat shit. R2 is like, who the yeah. fuck cares? Nick, Nick can't he- hear any of the sound effects. Oh, it, it could be just Actually, me Actually, I heard that one effects. a little bit. So who knows? I heard um, that one a little bit. Yeah. All right. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm shipping, uh, I'm not shipping. I'm, I'm, I'm going with Jar Jar is, is Kelleran's friend for sure. Uh, it, it just, it, it would make too much sense. And, and it's too much kismet having Ahmed and Ahmed. I mean, how cool would it be to see Ahmed back as Jar Jar acting against his real self? I mean, come on. Oh, that, incredible. that is, incredible. that's some full circle shit. So I'm going for it. I never hated Jar Jar. Although he definitely fucked up the galaxy. I mean, you, we, we can put a lot of blame <laughs> he on made, him. He made some bad choices. <laughs> but yeah, hey, yeah, yeah, come on. Sheev, Sheev's a dick. Sheev essentially was taking advantage of a someone with very low IQ, like a, like a slow adult. And that, that just wasn't cool. So, but That's not, that's not. That, that's Sheev <laughs> for you, bro. That is Sheev for you. Um, all right. And then the uh, final top moment, it looks like I didn't feel like putting these screenshots in order, but was the, uh, the Ragnar rescue. And, you know, Nick, we, we, we kind of talked about some of the reasons why this stood out, but I liked everything about it. I, I liked the, the fail at the beginning, but I'm, I'm in particular talking about the actual rescue where Bo-Katan becomes the, the leader of the search party. They, they have that little fire. We, we, we get to see how they deal with eating in a community and not just soup. So they can't just tip it back. <laughs> Like I, it's dumb as that sounds. I like that shit. I mean, Bo, I'd be like, Bo, like, Hey, what the fuck are we supposed to do? This ain't pog soup. I can't just like tip my head back. I'm actually going to have to take this damn thing off to eat. And sure enough, we learn and we learn that there is, there is honor if you're the leader, which makes sense for the Mandalorian culture. Uh, but just, you know, seeing them work together, uh, again, a small band of Mandalorians take on a big job and, yeah, obviously there was some fuck ups mixed in because Paz couldn't contain himself, uh, but they still get they still got it done. So I just I, I really enjoy watching these people execute missions. And yeah, we still have not seen them execute a mission with more than, you know, four or five people. Just imagine when we get to a battle scene when there's 40 of them out there doing shit. I mean, I, I don't even know what my head's going to do. It's, it's just, I don't, I'm not going to know where to look because it's like, oh, this guy's got his flamethrower. This guy's got his grappling hook. This guy's got the whistling birds. This guy's got the fucking darksaber. Oh, there's a vibro blade. You know what I mean? So they're just, they're fun to watch on missions as, as, as lame yeah. as that sounds. But uh, I even like the chase with the Raptor and how they're, you know, shooting those like webs at it to try to tie up its, uh, its wings and how Bo loses her her pauldron and then ultimately din comes in for the rescue and gets some bonus points with team vizsla uh so just all around it was a, it was a, a cool mission to watch just mandos being mandos yeah no i i was a big fan of the rescue um seeing paz like you said kind of essentially just almost get himself killed as soon as he saw Ragnar. Yeah. I mean, he didn't um, even, he's just like, Oh, he's my son. <laughs> like they go so slow. Definitely. They're so quiet. 
And then as soon as he yeah. sees the nest, he can't control himself. He can't, he can't do it. And it was like, and the thing was, it was like an easy save if he didn't do that. Cause the thing dropped the kid and the, and like the little, the little pterodactyls weren't like immediately going after him. You could have like all just swooped in, got him fucking got out of there. But yeah, he, he couldn't handle how it. He long, couldn't control himself. How long do you think Ragnar was in the Raptor Raptor's gut? Oh man, that's a good, I mean, it only had to be like what? Five, ten minutes at most. Well, I mean, right? they slept overnight. I guess they had to so climb. I had to climb that whole way. I mean, it it was well beyond the day, a rotation, as they say, before they got there. So either he was chilling in that bird's gut for a day and a night until the other Mandos showed up, or the the mom bird had him stashed somewhere, and then when it was getting ready to regurgitate it to the baby, she she snapped him up and swallowed him for the old spit. I up. think that's what happened. Is like he was because he wasn't like covered in bile or like any yeah, sort of like wet. digestive juices. So I almost think that like, cause the mom came flying into the nest as soon as they got up there. So it almost seems like she stashed him away somewhere and then like picked him back up and then when flew towards the nest. Time. Yeah. Cause once she heard the yeah, baby's when it was feeding time. chirp and she's like, all right, I'll go up there and, and vomit up this human body. Yeah. Cause you can see too, like in the chase, she's holding him holding Ragnar in her, her like claws. Right. Like, right. So like he, he wasn't in the gullet at that time. So I almost think that like she just put him down somewhere else and then just like put him in the gullet to, to like fly to the nest. Well, when about, they, I mean, she's, uh, she's kind of a shitty there. bird mom then if you think about it, cause she didn't really chew, chew the that, food up for that, him and, and create like the cud that they regurgitate. Yeah. It's kind of fucked it's up. It's supposed to be, it's, it's definitely supposed to be a little bit more like digested food <laughs> feeling. She's <laughs> like, no, my baby Raptors got to do it the hard way. They got to chew through the bone and in, in the best car themselves. <laughs> Fuck this yeah. shit. That best car gives me diarrhea. Oh uh, yeah. So, <clears throat> Shit, I had an idea, but it quickly faded. That's what happens. It went away. That's what happens in the old ages with the gray matter up there. Shit. What what the hell was it? Oh well. Oh. The new foundlings. So do we see Mandos mounted on Raptors this season, or is that for season four? That may be for now, because I don't know how long those things take to fly, and they definitely look like baby, baby. Yeah. Because they're still getting oh, they're, fed Yeah, they're by, all bald. They're mama. bald. They don't have any of their, like, leathery yeah. skin yet. That might be, like, a, a season, yeah, that might be, like, a season four thing, is, like, you finally get these Mandos starting to... But, yeah, I mean, you, uh, everyone knows, yeah, everyone knows that's coming, right? You, you don't throw that little moment in just for shits and giggles. Like, oh, hey, we got three new foundlings, I and mean, that that's... Those things are going to be repurposed for that cult to ride them like 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 Valkyries, and I, that's going to look amazing. I mean, do you think they'll deck them out in any sort of armor, or are they just going to oh, definitely just going to jump on and you know put a put like some sort of uh, what the fuck do the horses use reins on there? Yeah, uh, I was going to say like they, you could put like some like a saddle and and reins, and maybe that's it. But it, no, I think they'll I think they'll give them a little bit of a. I'll give him a little something. Yeah, I'll give him a little armor. It, it has to happen. Like you, you just you don't include that just as a as a throwaway moment. I, I'm just wondering, like, is is it going to be this right at the end? Like they come in, you know, you know what I'm talking about? Like, like let's say there is this big battle taking place with the Empire, Mando factions reunited, 
things are looking a bit dire, but then, uh-oh, here we come. Here come either, you know, the armor or the Vizlas or the Jarens. They're on the fucking Raptors, and they start playing the music from Apocalypse Now, you know, the mm-hmm. Wagner, and they just come mm-hmm. in and start fucking Gideon up. You know what I mean? I, I feel like that's how they're going to come in. It, it's going to be... They're not going to come in the battle to start. They're going to be to save. You heard, yeah. you heard it here first. Yeah. No, that, that, that's definitely like the, what, what is it called? That's like when the cavalry arrives. That's right. You know, the, the, the ground troops are there first. They're getting their ass kicked. And then the cavalry arrives here, here with their come. fucking pterodactyls. <laughs> yeah, they like napalms and all that type of stuff. All right, how about some Easter eggs and references from this episode? Um, my, my screenshots are pretty terrible. And that's what happens on these Killer Wednesdays. And can I just say, thank God tomorrow's the last double-dip Star Wars Wednesday. And if they ever do this again, I'm going to quit. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to say it's been a miserable experience because, listen, I, I love being busy. Uh, I have real problems when I'm not busy. Like my mind gets screwy and I get myself into trouble. I, I love being busy, but I am, I am done. This is going to be like week four or five in a row of pretty much working on my desk from five in the morning till five thirty six at night, real work mixed in with all this horse shit. Thank God tomorrow's the last double dip. That's all I can say. And it's going to be the worst one because yeah. we're getting two bad batches in addition to Amando. So uh, I'm not out of it yet, but holy hell, is, is am I appreciative that this fucking experiment is about over. Fuck you, Disney Plus. <laughs> All right. Um, well, I'll do my best to find screens for the eggs because I definitely fucked these up or didn't upload all the right ones. I just I get delirious at times when I'm breaking down all this content, not knowing what the hell is what. Uh, but I, I, I clearly left a lot of them out. So anyways, first Easter egg here, or I guess a reference, if you will. Uh, I don't have a great screen for it, so we'll just look at the Mandos on the beach. But uh, Bo-Katan, when they're planning things out, she drops a Kirmorit reference, which is indeed a mountain on Mandalore that has appeared in previous Star Wars lore. In particular, they come from Legend Republic Commando novels. Apparently, some clones ended up on Mandalore and were uh, training in a village by Kirmorit. All right, so that was that was cool. And then if anyone noticed, when they are planning the search party, Armorer says to Paz, uh, essentially, ready the Shriekhawk training clan. Uh, Shriekhawks are the clan sigil of Clan Vizsla, and then it ultimately became the sigil of Death Watch. So it's like that, that you know, three jagged looking bird thing that is a Shriekhawk. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was a, an easy one here, a big no duh, but Kaloran Beck is a reference to past Star Wars Jedi Temple Challenge. And of course, we got the Ahmed Best cameo. Not a big surprise. Uh, in addition to those, I, uh, hopefully everyone heard a familiar sounding voice during the flashback that was not Ahmed Best. That was none other than Tim Morrison voicing the clones during order 66 so that was a nice little nod to boba fett uh speaking of the getaway boy were we loaded with prequel era references i mean we had a a bark speeder with a sidecar you had the lats you had the v wings all chasing kellerin through coruscant you gotta wonder nick i mean obviously that night was kind of fucked up in coruscant 
But do you think the people of Coruscant are just used to having high speed chases and and like ship to ship dogfights in the middle it of rush hour? Like it happened, yeah, like it's just so often, right? <laughs> like it just it happened all the time, and like nobody seemed phased by it when it happened in episode two. Nobody seemed phased by it when it happened now. They're all just like, yeah, people got places to go. Um, yeah, I mean, I I think that that's just like a common occurrence, especially because. Coruscant has such a huge underworld. Yeah, and th- th- those rich fuckers—they're they- not paying attention, anyways. That just—it's yeah. they're not even driving. Yeah, I mean, literally <laughs> in the middle of the most populous planet in the galaxy, you have full-on dogfights taking place. And sometimes, in fact, in some of the cartoons, you have like star destroyer size, star cruiser size ships shooting stuff in the middle of Coruscant evening traffic. So whatever, hey. The rich don't give a shit. Like Nick said, they're not being driven anyways. They're they're, they're like parents sitting back there probably gambling or, or bitching yeah, and moaning they, about not having a party to go to. Yeah, they have no idea what's happening around them. They're just looking at their their holocom devices. Speaking speaking of of uh, Perrin, we've got got a little interesting rumor about his better half coming up later on in the show. Okay, um, well, shit, sticking with that scene, we had the Naboo ship, the soldiers, and last but not least, at the very end of the rescue, Nick, what came back as a callback, the croc. And yep, not, the croc o- not only the did the croc reference himself, but to me, I felt like that was a nod to Qui-Gon Jinn's mantra of there's always a bigger fish. Bigger fish, So yeah. that was a nice, nice little touch there at the end. Okay. Let me go through some of my haws. I know we already talked about, yeah, Mandos live in constant death. They're dumb, but it makes them tougher, I guess. We talked about Kelleran's friends being Nubian. (laughs) Nubian, or at least Jar Jar and Handmaidens. It's got to be new. uh, It's got to be like me, Naboo. All right. I'm I'm looking it up now. Okay, good. I was like, I'm sure we could use the internet to, to figure this out. Nope, I was wrong. Okay. Nubia is an entire world so to it's like, itself. So it's like Corellia then. That they, they specialize kind of, in, yeah. in ship ship making or, or quat quat drive yards, something like that. Uh, yeah. Nubia is uh home to the industrial automation droid factories and Nubia Star Drives Inc. starships. So it is kind of like, you know, Corellia in that sense. Beautiful. Or Kuat drive drive yards. Yeah. Beautiful. All right, here's one for you. And it's not so much, you know, we, we got to get deep on it, but, you know, as, as a fan that has, has watched this franchise, at least me, since birth, you know, the prequels and then the Clone Wars to make the prequels better. Did anyone else just sit there during the flashback and, and seeing Order 66 from another perspective just go, you know what, this is so fucking cool to think about. To think that while this is going on, we have... Anakin in the temple murdering people in Revenge of the Sith. We have Ahsoka and Rex fighting for their lives on that 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 star cruiser from the Clone Wars. Uh, we know Obi Wan has uh, just been almost tried to get taken out on what was that? Not Felucia, but the the other planet. I I just uh, love Udapau. Udapau. There you go. I I just love like the, the the more layers they add to Order sixty six in the prequel era, the more you can kind of see how that era's tendrils have extended deep now yeah. 
into the franchise. And I, I just like as a fan being able to think like when when we were watching Keller and save Grogu, there's so much other shit that we've seen that is taking yeah. place concurrently now. And that's just awesome to think like how big the prequel universe has gotten because of all this backfill content. Yeah. I mean, like it literally like you see the chaos of just this one day, like continuing to grow. Like at first it's like, okay, well, we know that the temple is getting destroyed and raided. And we know that these Jedi all over the place are getting like hunted down by their clones. But then also you have like rescue missions happening. You have, like you said, you know, you have Jedi masters across the galaxy, like, you know, Obi-Wan on Utapau and all of the other ones who didn't initially get killed in Order 66, like scrambling to figure out what the fuck's going on. You have somebody like Keller and Beck saving Grogu and bringing him to uh, like a, a location of a yet to be named planet. I mean, maybe he goes to Naboo. That's what we're assuming. Like, you know, there's just so much that was happening in such a short amount of time that like it's hard to like almost keep track of everything. It's like, okay, well, yeah. this guy was doing this, this guy was doing this. Like, well, I remember Man, what else was going on? You know, I remember when we were watching the Siege of Mandalore and the, 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 those final episodes where you know, they, they do get Maul, they seemingly win, they're, they're going back, and then Order 66 takes place. But as Ahsoka is on the bridge, she's experiencing Anakin's betrayal. It, yeah, like and, the visions and, of his betrayal. Yeah, and I, I remember watching, I was like, well, because we've seen this in the past, I can visualize what she's visualizing, and that's the same thing that's happening here now. It's like now that we know that Kelleran was doing this, I can think of like, well, Anakin was there essentially causing all the chaos. You know, Padme's crying right now as her people are helping Kelleran save Grogu, and she has no clue that her husband has gone off the fucking deep end. Uh, you know, K- Kenobi is trying to get back to uh, the Jedi, Yoda. I think he got picked up by Bale at some point in time. It's just yeah, he got picked up by Bale. There's just so much going on, like you said, around Order 66 that we didn't know about back in 2005 because it didn't exist. Yep. But now in 2023, as fans that have been loyal and have watched that era just blow up with all the, you know, the cartoon content and whatnot, it, it, it's crazy that we can sit here now and be like, well, yeah, this is happening at this moment. This, this, this is happening at this moment. This is happening at this moment. Holy shit. There's so much going on. It's awesome. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I love how they continue to add to that era. I hope that we get a similar treatment. Yeah. For like the bat said, Yoda is on Kashyyyk when, when Grogu, his son is getting picked up by Kellerin like that, that we have all those connections yeah. now. And give me yeah. a break. I mean, come on. Does it, is anyone else starting to think that there, there's some relation now between Grogu and the two other green short things in the Jedi Temple? It just, it just seems, it just seems too, too convenient. You know what I mean? And it was also like, I mean, I know he was like essentially stashed away because he was a child. Like he was, he was very young, at least in terms. Before of- you get into that. Don't you also feel like now that they, the Jedi had a specific plan for Grogu if shit hit the fan. So exactly, like like he wasn't just a regular Padawan. No, he was. And that's the thing is like, I don't believe that Yaddle and Yoda like had sex and had a baby, (laughs) but like there is definitely some sort of link between those three characters. And I, I'm waiting to see like what 
like what this link is because there are so few of these creatures out there right almost to, like to the point to where they don't even have a species name that like uh, he could he be the last he could be the last for all we know he could yeah he could like it's it's very interesting to see like what his origin story is going to be because for all that we've seen of grogu so far we still don't have his his actual origin story, which I'm very interested to like dig into once we get to. Do it. you think now, uh, Nick? Do you think they they cover that, or is that something they they keep yeah, close I mean, to the vest? If you if you do that, it's almost like you're you're. I mean, I don't know if George ever came out and said like, "I'll never tell the 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 story behind Yoda," or "I'll never do this or that." specifically around that species but like if you do kind of dig into an origin story then you are starting to get a little bit close to like this is also probably yoda's origin story or yoda's yeah, I, origin I story is it, probably similar I, I could see it being like he is the last of, of their species so that's why they took him to the temple to be protected because yeah. i'm with you i mean it would be very odd for Yoda, a guy that had lived the Jedi life for 900 years would, would go against his own teachings. I mean, he's very against relationship, very against, I mean, to the point where he is one of the main reasons that version of the order failed because of their adherence to being strict with, you can't have feelings for anyone. Wouldn't that make his character so much better? Of course though, it would. To, of course it would. Like, well, that, shit, like, he's not just a fucking robot sage ass wizard. Yeah. He he he, was, also, he was a like, real real dude. He had to get his fucking rocks off just like yeah. Anakin. But also, like, it gives so much more weight to that conversation that he has with Anakin because it's not it's not a priest talking to you as like a teenager saying, "Don't have sex. It's bad for you. Don't do this." Because the priest has never, like, you know, for oh, so, a priest so, that so has you're, never you're experienced taking it as that. Yoda is trying to teach everyone, like, look, without late, saying late in my life, late in my life, I fucked up, and and it's a big problem to bring another of my species into this world yeah. because of our potential, and it's bad. What I did was very bad. That's why he's so and not even, it. yeah, not even just that, not even bringing another one of his species. It's almost like you don't understand the weight that I have being a grandmaster of the Jedi order and being a secret father. Like you can never, like I have so much pressure on me because I have to care for this being that I've brought into existence, but I also have to care for essentially the safety of the entire galaxy. Like it puts so much more weight on that conversation that he has with Anakin because he's not speaking from platitude at that point. And that's what always made it so like almost so like, like drop the meaning of it because like he's not speaking from experience or we assume that he wasn't, he was only speaking based off of teaching and platitude. But if we find out that Grogu is really his kid, then that conversation that he has with Anakin means so much more. It's like, trust me, I know that I can't tell you what I've done, but if you knew what I'm going, like if you knew what I'm going through now and you knew the the history or like, it's just, it's, it's so much, it just changes the whole context of that, of that conversation. Uh, so I do hope that we somehow get into Grogu's origin story and that feeds into 
Yodas, but man, like that would yeah, I don't, that would change it, a it lot. It would be wild. I mean, Devin's asking, "Is Grogu a Yoda clone?" I, I highly doubt it. Uh, I, I don't think. I don't even know if cloning was well. Obviously, Kaminoans knew what they were doing. Uh, the The clone army was commissioned right before the Phantom Menace. They were allowed to There's grow no time. for ten years. So yeah, I, I don't I, I don't think he's a clone because why would y- Yoda would not willingly allow himself to be cloned? Yeah. Nor would you be able to get a hold of Yoda to get a sample to clone him and then him just go, oh here we cloned you, have him. That, that doesn't make sense to me. I, I'm going with you know I maybe Yoda did stumble or maybe he was charged with protecting this the last of his kind and he never made it known that this is what Grogu was. Um, I'm not, I'm not huge on the, on the clone theory. Uh, although yeah. I don't know. I mean, y- you never know. Y- you never really know. All, all we know at this point in time is that the Jedi had a plan for this dude that they did not have for the other younglings. He, he, he was clearly different. He was special for whatever reason. Is it because it is of Yoda's genetics? or just the last of Yoda's kind, and they know what these creatures can turn into, at least when it comes to the Force. That's why he got special treatment. I don't know. The cloning thing just doesn't seem like something Jedi would get into willingly. And then if it, yeah. if it was against Yoda's will, why would the person then just give it back to them? You know what I mean? Like, it, 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 If you're going to clone a Yoda, you're probably going to do it for nefarious reasons, as we're guessing what, what Gideon has in mind for Grogu's blood. Uh, so it'd be weird to give Yoda back his his clone self. Yeah, but I don't, I mean, do do you think these are answers they have planned, or are they just concerned with showing us how he got from the temple to the Nikto bunker, or do they even take it that far? Do they just take it to hey, here here here's who we met on Naboo. Because I, I feel like there's legs I, left in Grogu's flashbacks, at least to me. Yeah, there's definitely legs left. I do think that they, I do think that they have plans for like post save and like where we're going after where we are now. All right. For sure. I think there okay. are plans. I don't know, man, it, I don't think that they would have really gone into like, I mean, maybe they have, maybe they have, but knowing, I think that they know, like John and Dave know Yoda's or not Yoda's Grogu's whole origin story. I think they know it just like I think that, that George knows Yoda's whole origin story. Like he he's probably, and we know a little bit of Yoda's origin story, at least going back as far as like who his master was. And that's why he speaks the way he does. I don't know if we'll ever get it though. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like Devin, they, 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 he's saying they must have a backstory in the chat. And I, I agree. I, I think they yeah. do. I just, do they, do they give it to us? Does it, do they give I, it to it, us? It would have big... to support whatever current story they're trying to tell. And, you know, I guess it, we could just be like, well, keep writing scenes where Grogu sees sparks and hear loud sounds. And then his PTSD will kick in and, and we'll get more flashbacks. But I don't know. I, I get, I I love talking about this type of shit and start and you know try to speculate what's going on here. Um, but hey, the foundling moved the goalposts. So now we have new shit to think about when it comes to Grogu. Now we know who rescued him. Now the questions remain: All right, where'd they go after the jump? Do they go right to Naboo? Do they go to somewhere else? Do they you know who knows? And, and obviously, Grogu's true backstory. Why was he special? 
why did the Jedi have a kind of like a, 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 an exit plan for him that was specific to Kaloran Beck? Uh, how did Kaloran know beforehand to have these Naboo friends at the ready? I mean, it's not like the Jedi knew Order 66 was coming or it wouldn't have been that big of a deal. So, I mean, you know what I mean, Nick? It's almost like they had a, yeah. a, a, a disaster recovery plan for Grogu in place even before Palpatine came yeah. to power as a Sith. That's how yeah. that's how damn special he was. And, and, and why is he that way? We still don't know. Is he a clone? Yeah. Is he a true descendant of the Yoda? Is he the last of his kind? Is that why he was special? I don't know. I think they're all good theories, but... It's hard with what has been presented to us to really kind of lock down his past at this point. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, it's it's going to be interesting to see where his story progresses from here because there is, there's just so much backstory to know and, and people are so interested to see like, where did this kid come from? So, yeah. I mean, it, if it, hopefully many more seasons of The Mandalorian will start to reveal that to us. Nick, it seems my my clicking and searching on Instagram has made it into my browser because there's an ad on the site right now of like gymnastics girls with their butt cheeks showing. Oh gosh. Yeah, yeah, the, I it keep says getting it says phone these case it ads. says these athletes show too much. <laughs> oh gosh. I'm like you nope, I'm I... the prototypical almost 43-year-old creepy guy at this point where I'm just on Instagram like Yep, there's another girl dancing. Yep, there's another girl dancing. Oh, there's a girl in a sundress in front of a a light window so you can see through it. Yeah, I mean, I am a thirst trap rube on social media. That's also just like the popular content on the Instagram algorithm now, I think. so. (laughs) I I can't even... Dude, if I was a little kid and I had this shit at my disposal, I think I would have been locked in my room masturbating nonstop. I mean, I, I had a problem back then where, you know, I, I had to like get sports illustrated or, you know, I'll never forget the time I found my dad's stash. That was like a, a freaking eureka moment. You know what I mean? The first time I found my dad's stash, I was like, hallelujah. Yes. Finally, something better than sports illustrated. I remember one time at a hotel, someone stashed their dirty mags under the, the seat. The previous guest, I found those, brought them back on a train, was whacking off in the train bathroom at like eight years old. Like I. I, I had problems, my friends. Let's just say <laughs> I was practicing with myself before I could even have it spit up. So that's how, how far back my habit goes. Uh, we get real here on the Star Wars Time Show. You know what I mean? All right. So uh, <laughs> we covered all the haws. Potential rivalry between Grogu and Ragnar. Check. Uh, confirm Ragnar's Paz's son, but also Fanling. Check. Croc, always a bigger fish. Check. Do we see Mandos on Raptors? Check. Bo tells armor about Mythosaur and she kind of plays it off. Double check. Um, that is interesting. I, I, I don't know. I, I still don't think that's the armor being shady. I think like Nick said, it, it could be the armor just not fully believing in her own bullshit as I yeah. honestly, and I don't want to get people upset that are religious. If, if you love your religion, good for you. I'm not here to take it from you. Uh, but I can tell you as a, as, a, as a young kid that went through Catherine indoctrination from whenever I, w- I could go until I was out of high school, essentially. Yeah, I, mean, I, I always 
looked at the priests, Nick, I'm not kidding. And I'd be like, do these guys really believe what they're fucking saying? I was like, do these guys really believe this shit? Because I'm a little kid and they're telling me it's all real and, and I don't believe it. So do these guys fucking believe these stories they're telling me? And, and that's kind of how I look at the armor. Like, does, does she truly even believe in this bullshit? Or is she just propping it up because she knows it's, it's a... It's, it's a it, method of control. Exactly. It, it's a belief system that kind of keeps people from acting like complete animals. Yeah. And, and like that has always been the question for me is like, do the, do the people in the cult actually believe it? Or is it just like, Hey, this is our only shot. Like this is all we got to go on now. Like, you know, like what is the real, like, you know, what's the real feeling within the cult itself? Right. And, and, you know, yeah, beliefs, like belief that. systems are weird, especially when it's a, an organized yeah. religion. And cause I really did. I mean, uh, my whole life I was like, okay, these adults, they all seem like this is real shit. But in, in the back of my head, I always be like, is, I, I'm not getting it. Like I pray, I don't fucking hear anybody. And I ask for this, nothing fucking happens. Like, do I just play along with everyone? Is that what this is? Uh, cause you, you know, I mean, you, you probably have some friends. I still have some friends. They're like, oh yeah, pray, pray at dinner, pray this, pray for that. I'm like, okay, whatever works for you. But it just, it never made sense to me. And I was always afraid to talk about it as a little kid. Cause as a Catholic, you're essentially told if you don't have faith, you're going to hell. Uh, yeah. just have faith. That's, that's, that's pretty much what you're told in religion. If you have faith, it don't fucking matter. Don't question anything. Just, you gotta have faith. Questions are bad. So my whole life I was like, what the fuck? Like, is it me? Am I the weirdo? Why, it, do yeah, I not like, have a direct connection to God? Because when I ask for stuff or when I pray, I don't fucking hear anything. And these guys in their frocks are telling me they're talking to the motherfucker every night. So Yeah, man. I mean, it's, it's, it's like, and that's why I've been like, like, I know I've been railing on religion too, but like I, I constantly call it a cult because I do think that there is a big difference between like a cult and a religion. Um, a cult is like a very cults are run by very selfish people who are using their influence and their power to hold a group of people under their sway without giving them the full truth of what's going on. I think that that's what this is. I think that the armor themselves, the armor is somebody who is trying to consolidate power under herself. And she sees an opportunity with Bo-Katan now, which is why she hasn't like really pushed back against Bo-Katan, but she sees an opportunity with Bo-Katan to be like, if I can just get her to buy in as well, then I'll have everybody. And I, so it's going to be interesting to see how that kind of plays out yeah, over the next few episodes you know it's like funny does, does Bo start to look through it or does she like fully buy in i don't know so far i i think at least from katie's performance she's she's taken it all in and i don't think she's quite put off at all like i, I think she's like well, yeah. well shit look these people think i'm a fucking hero at this point i mean she she's so into the goddamn uh mythology now nick she asked to get a mythosaur put on her new pauldron she she's yeah you know she yeah. asked permission like hey would it be okay if a night owl whipped a, a mythosaur and you there you know the cult leader gets in the oh um, anyways, I, I think a lot of this religion stuff is, is bubbling to the surface because I just got through the Waco thing, which 
Oh yeah, yeah. It's not even That's a perfect cult yeah. thing. Yeah. I mean like I, I don't I didn't necessarily enjoy that series because I, I, I think the people they they brought too many of his actual cult members and they were essentially propping up David Koresh like he was Jesus Christ and yeah. They didn't spend enough time on the fact that he was raping underage girls and enforcing husbands, wives to be his wife and they can't sleep with their own wife. I mean, like the guy was a fucking terror. Not only did he, I mean, he had a goddamn illegal arsenal in, in that fucking uh, building. Yeah. I mean, uh, the, the Branch Davidians and Koresh were fucking horrible people, him in particular. But Nick, look at him. I mean. I'm listening to these people, even all these years later, man, some of these people are like, oh no, David Koresh was fucking God. And we were, we're tools of God. And who gives a Dude, shit if, if 12 year olds were, were adults in our, in our church. Like they, they're still fucking buying into that right? bullshit. Yeah, no dude, like that stuff sticks in your head and it's so like, you, they're literally, you have to go, there are cult deprogramming, like you know, sessions that people have to go through with like licensed therapists to be like, Hey, like you have to understand that like, this wasn't real. Like all of these things that were told to you are not real. They're fake. They're made up. They were used to control you and to control your family. Like it is a hard task to pull away from cult influence. If you don't have like people helping you and people that are like explaining to you and trying to like professionally help you through those things. So it's like, and it's another good like correlation to what we see going on with the with like the the covert Mandalorians is like all they've ever known since the Night of a Thousand Tears is the teachings of this armor. Yeah, the children and, of the watch. Like, the children of the watch. And like, you know, like never take your helmet off. You're not allowed to like you can't be seen in, in, in public. Like we have to live in these fucking coverts and you can only go out in public if if we give you permission to like, this is very like standard cult behavior. So yeah, man, yeah, I, it, it's it, going to be, interesting. I, I don't to know see. if you've watched the Waco thing yet, but the more I think about it, it's like, yeah, I mean, you, you could compare those two together. I, I, I think the children are not as extreme, but yeah, you can see how a cult takes place and, and, and how the, the cult leader truly becomes a, a God to these people. And, you know, again, you just got to question humanity at times. Like, what, what the fuck? Like, how bad is your life that you're willing to essentially give give up yourself to a crazy person? Yeah, man. I mean, it's... And all these years later, they're, they're still like, yeah, fuck, David Koresh was Jesus. And, and, and think about, I mean, like, that's the exact spot that Bo-Katan's in right now. <laughs> she's going to be... That, that's the... She's going to be like, oh, the armor, yeah, the armor is the best. She's yeah, the I second mean, coming of you, Mandalore spirit. You, you asked the question, you're like, how bad is your life to get caught up in something yeah. like this? And that's what Katie's yeah, telling us. It's like you. Her life is you. fucking bad. <laughs> your, your, your prediction's coming true. All right, man, for the sake of time, we got to get fucking moving. So let's move on to... Oh, just kidding. There's bad the Easter day. eggs. That's right. The reason we didn't have the Easter eggs image is because I wasn't on the Easter egg post. So there you go. Good, good job, co-host. Way to Star go, Net. You can see all the pictures of the Easter eggs on there. <laughs> <laughs> what an idiot. All right. Anyways, Bad Batch time. Okay, so Bad Batch S2 E14 tipping point. All right, real quick, since I'm talk- talking, Nick, I'll go with it. But whew, 
it was nice to get things back on track with Bad Batch after Pabu. Because, man, Pabu, like many people have have uh, discussed, it, it was rough. I mean, outside of Sir Dork, I'm pretty sure most of Star Wars Nation looked at Pabu as, as, as a forgettable episode. But we got back on trap with, with back on track with uh, Tipping Point. We got right into the nitty gritty, where it, it thrust everything right back into the overarching plot line now, which is essentially the clones and their clandestine operation to rescue other clones. And then the Empire is clearly taking clones now that they've been decommissioned, and they're doing some funky shit with them at Tantus, as we were telling you about last week. It's still not clear if Hemlock is working on the Dark Trooper program, Death Trooper, or something we don't even know about yet, but it looks like that's where where we are headed. So I, I really appreciate this episode. Just thrust that shit right down our throats. And I'm also kind of glad that our, our speculations failed on Bad Batch and that uh, Omega did not become a victim and that she's actually going to go there as a part of a rescue party, it looks like. And uh, it could very well be it's all for Crosshair. Maybe she gets captured when they're there. But I like that they kind of surprised me a bit and that it wasn't just, hey, Sid ratted you out. Omega's captured yeah. now. Now we got to go. Now we have to go to Tantus, whether we believe Crosshair or not. It, it, it's They're still a unit. They're going to go as a unit. It's, it's seemingly they're going to go as a unit. I've seen some leaked screenshots, and so far it does not look like they're separated in terms of the core batchers. Uh, so it was gotcha. good. And, 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 you know, we got some uh, more insights into Crosshair's path towards redemption. I think it's very clear now that he's over the empire. Uh, he, he is a prisoner. He is being held against his will and he is trying to help his former friends. I mean, he, he's broke yeah. out. He did the, you know, the plan 88, which is a, a code, to the rest of the batch that, hey, we're being targeted. And uh, while it, I understand why Hunter doesn't trust him, at least from what we were shown, it's very clear that, that Crosshair is over it. He, he, like Wrecker said, he has turned on the Empire and he's trying to prevent uh, his friends from suffering the same fate. I don't think Crosshair did that to get himself rescued. He did it to warn them to stay away. And, and I appreciate yeah. that from, from his type of character. You can, we, we are realizing the growth now that this, you know, this angry Andy has had in the, the, the what, two or three episodes he's been featured in this season. So I, I was a fan. Yeah, no, I mean, a lot of traumatic experiences for Crosshair has like led to this point. So um, I also like how um, in the episode, the doctor makes it very clear to him. He's like, look, we're not doing this to you because you shot your commanding officer. No, that's, that's, that's not why you're here. Yeah. Like we have other plans. They, they for like you. that. He has a little bit of freedom of choice. Right. Yeah, it is. I mean, yeah, do, so. do you think, cause you know, a lot of people think that clones became death troopers. I, I've read things that the 501st was specifically tagged to become the death. Uh, where others were, you know, Dark Trooper Phase Zero, where you did still mix in some organic with cybernetics. Uh, but do you think that's what Hemlock's up to, or are we in store for a, a whole other dubious type of experiment over uh, tomorrow's two-episode finale? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think that it could be Dark Trooper related for sure, especially with Clone Force 99, who have like very specific types of like skills that they were right. good at skills. Yeah, um, because we all we already know that you can manipulate the, the chip to like essentially st- like work in a more extreme way. I mean, that's, you know, why what, dude, I, cross- I like that they've just they've kind of left the chips in the dust at this point. It, it seems like yeah. I don't even think the chips play a role in, in anything the clones do anymore. Yeah, no, not at this point. I think that like they've almost like worn out their, their use or their like efficacy time, right. some, something like that. But, or like the empire had like a, a switch that they could use or something like that for these, for these ships. But like, I think that these are the perfect experimentation, like elements, like using clones to essentially try to make super soldiers out of because that's that's basically that's what, what they, they are. started. Right. They're, they're already you're right. They're already bred. They're already bred that way. So the empire is just trying to make them bigger, badder, and maybe even indestructible. Deadly. Yeah, like deadlier versions of what they already were. So instead of like taking you know non-clone humans to like try to train them up to be dark troopers, it's like why not instead of just getting rid of, and I believe that they also kind of said this too, is like, there's no purpose to like, just get rid of clones, like to just like kill them in mass. Like you can use them for stuff. Oh yeah. Like no, this. they're, they're, they are assets to the empire. They're, they're not, they're not living things. They're, they're no different than a blaster rifle. They're in yep. inventory as a number and they can be used as the empire sees fit. So yeah, why not, why not take this disposable army that was bred from a Mandalorian warrior and, and from birth programmed to be a very adept soldier. And let's experiment on them. And, and because who gives a shit? They're just flesh. They're not alive. They don't have feelings. They're not worth shit. And then we can refine it and make it better. And then maybe, you know, start doing other things with our, our conscripts. So yeah. How about you? What'd you, what'd you think of this episode? I thought it was good. I'm glad that we are back on track. I know that like we we have both kind of been decrying the last few episodes of Bad Batch for sure, but I think that this one did put us back on track for like what we are assuming is going to be a pretty strong two two episode finale tomorrow. Um, it the thing is is like with a two episode finale, they're not even on Tantus yet. So like, do we even get like? Is, do you think that this season could end on a cliffhanger where it's like you're they get to Tantus and they're like making their escape, but then something happens? Sure, because it sure. feels like there's. Yeah, I, I mean, dude, I I could see Omega getting captured during the captured. rescue. Yeah, and that yeah, and that'd I mean, be a cliffhanger kinda, moment for sure. Yeah, that's kind of what I was what I was angling at was definitely like she gets captured and she's still on yeah. Tantus. I mean, to um, me, I think that, I that that would be the best ending. That would be the most shocking. It would be the it would be upsetting for fans. But I th- isn't that what you want in a season yeah. finale cliffhanger? You want people to be on edge so they're eager to lap up the next season. Yeah, exactly. So um, I think it put us in a very interesting spot. Like it didn't put us right to the point of the action, which sometimes, like you know, episodes like this, like leading up to the ultimate and penultimate. Uh, episodes could do um but it gives a lot of room for the batch to like strategize a little bit about how they want to approach the crosshair situation on tantus and then 
um, see how that plays out in a two episode fashion. But yeah, I was I was a big fan. I was a big fan of like the like how they portrayed uh, the doctor, like the the primary doctor on Tantus as like this just like super nefarious, like almost like evil genius type of doctor. Um, Hemlock's fucking and, great. Like I I mean, he's yeah. only been this is his second episode, but man, that guy, even my my kid, who you know she's not really paying attention, but we we watched it last night. She looked at me. She's like. I don't like that guy. He's creepy. He's, he's, he just, he's, yeah. he's, he's mean. It's like, yeah, you know, he's a great that's, bad guy. Yeah, no, they, that's exactly how they played him. Um, so I'm very, yeah, no, I, I'm very happy with how this episode played out. It gave us good stuff on crosshair while also still kind of, uh, you know, they used Pabu, uh, and you know, they're, they're still on that planet. Obviously there was used perfectly you know, the people, in this episode, Nick, nice, yeah, nice and short, just, sweet and, and a fun little moment between Omega and tech. That's all you needed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like we did not need to spend a ton of time, no. like further diving into Pabu. And you know, now I think that they've done a good job of kind of moving on from that episode. So yeah, I mean like overall I was, I was very happy with how this one progressed and that we got back onto the yeah, main storyline side. It was a, it was a great setup for for this two part finale, no doubt about it. All right, let, let's go through some top moments. I, I had three of them here this week, and we're starting with the clone rescue for for a, a multitude of reasons. I mean, I, you know, Hauser, the return of Hauser, that was great. But Nick, it, it once again, and and I pretty much say this every freaking episode at this point, but we got to see in full display how much more efficient a small group of clone soldiers are compared to a full uh, battalion platoon of the TK troopers. Uh, I'm talking like literally it was Gregor, Echo, Fireball, and Nemec show up on a ship, take down a large Gozanti-class ship, board it, subdue an entire platoon, if not more, of TKs, get some data, get the commander to kill himself, and rescue three high-valued clone targets, all without taking a single loss, right? Their, their ship, Pretty... ship didn't get blown up. No one got left behind. They got everything they wanted in and out, and they got the data that's going to lead them to Tantus. So once again, Sheev, because you were a cheap son of a bitch, is why you lost to the Rebellion. Yeah, you eventually lose the rebellion. Yeah, I mean, like, if anything, like you said, this shows the the efficiency of well trained of these like well trained. It's clone insane. Units. I mean, dude, they it's the moment they come out of hyperspace, they're like boom, boom, ship disabled, boom, boom, weapons disabled. All right, let's round around. Okay, let's bump up the leech ship. Boop, let's dock ourselves so they come here and think we're docking from the bottom. That allows us from the top to get in unseen. We'll throw a couple of stun grenades up there. The only thing that I don't get with these fucking clones at this point is why they're still stunning TK units, like. Kill the motherfuckers. They're they're not your clone yeah. brothers. Shoot those sons of bitches behind behind those white helmets. Yeah, I mean, at this point, I don't know if it's just. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if well, they it just, just it don't shows their kill character. Anymore. I mean, ultimately, I think yeah. it just shows that. Hey, listen, the clones aren't just some wild fucking crazy killing. You know, machines. Spartan murderers. They 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 have uh, ethos that you know they have morals. But it's like, guys, yeah. come and on, the, they're, they're, they're shooting you with live fire. Why the fuck are you giving them a chance to come back another day? Yeah, man, I don't know. It's it's I think it's just because like 
these guys now are so they've killed so much in their life. Like that's been basically their entire life. It's just killing at the behest of whoever has told them to Right. that even though these are TK units and they're not their clone brethren, they're just like, I just don't want to kill anybody anymore. God damn. You got to like, respect the clones, man. I mean, some of the, some of the most honorable motherfuckers in this star Wars galaxy and, and they were done wrong by the empire. Yeah. Thank God. Three of them hung around up, up through the rebellion, but that may be it. It, it. It's sad to think that all these fucking heroes that we're watching right now do crazy things that regular galactic citizens could never do. It's it's sad. I, I mean, man, th- these are some special motherfuckers. Yeah, uh, yeah. And they're cool. Yeah. I mean, look look how fucking cool Fireball Nemec look. I mean, I know some people are like, oh, is that Gree? You got to remember, Gree had his fucking head chopped off by Yoda. So it's not Gree, but he's definitely worn the, wearing the, the green armor. But I like like that zebra stripe on his mask, the, the, the dirty armor, the, the brown, the greens, the true camo. I mean, if anything can be said about Bad Batch Season 2, we have gotten a ton of new fantastic named clones. Some have died right away. Others have persisted, but I mean, uh, you know, uh, we got Nemec, Fireball here. We had Mayday and his crew uh, a few episodes back. We had the guy that gets executed. Uh, I forget his ca- the captain, whatever, uh, you know, during the first two uh, episodes of this season. So, I mean, the clone, if anything, Bad Batch is, is really honored the clones in a great way, I think. Uh, we, we can all yeah. bitch and moan about the slower episodes this season and this season probably not being as good as season one. But it has, it has definitely done the clones right and it has given us more about their fate post the end of the Clone Wars and the rise of the Empire. All right. Yeah, no. Uh, moving on, we have the... Crosshair tries to alert team. Okay, so yeah, we 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 have that shows that he cares. Uh, you know, even after having his his head flambeed by an interrogation droid for who knows how long, he's still able to to get free and and send out a message to his team. And you know, I just I it showed character on part of Crosshair. It showed again just how damn skilled he is as a as a warrior in any situation. The guy, if he has a blaster, can do some damage. Um, but Nick, I also, and this was an aha moment, and it, you know, it might come up again here. But I don't know if anyone watched closely the interactions between Crosshair and Emiri. The the scientist that seems to be assigned specifically to him. I'm telling you, there are camera movements, pauses on her face that last longer than they should. If you listen to her, he's a clone. Okay. Thank you. All right. And also he's like, he kills everybody else and he stuns her. Okay. So you, you, you're picked up on that too then, right? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. 100%. So yeah, we're, we're, we're putting that out there that Mary, there, there's something going on. She, while she's doing a lot of evil shit for Hemlock, I believe she is a, like a, I don't want to say a sleeper cell, but she is in deep 
She is a female clone. Look at her eyebrows. Look at her face structure. Her voice, even though it's a different actress, is very similar to Omega's. You know, it has that New Zealand twang to it. And uh, really, at the end of this episode in particular, the, the camera, for no reason, hangs on her. She's like one of the last things you see before it just sits on uh, Crosshair getting tortured. And it hangs on her for a second too long where you're like, okay, they're, 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 they're trying to, they're trying to clue us in here. They're, they're, they're trying to yeah. telegraph to the audience, at least those that are paying attention, that she is not just some regular Kaminoan or whatever Tantus scientist. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that she is some sort of clone unit. Um, you could also hear in her voice that there is like a slight accent, like a slight clone-like accent. That's what accent. I mean, dude. I mean, she sounds yeah. just like Omega, but older. I mean, she's got older, that, that, yeah. that, I don't know if it's Kiwi, but that New Zealand twang. Yeah, so I, I definitely agree with you. I think that she is clone like she is a clone. She might have been an accelerated clone, obviously, if she's at that age. And then, like like I said, too, Crosshair stuns her. You can see, even though the shot is up close, it's a blue flash oh, yeah, when yeah. he shoots her. No, and she comes back. Everybody like, else. Like there's an end scene when he gets recaptured. She, she's still sitting there. So she's, so she's good to yeah, go. I just wonder, yeah. Nick, do you do you think, I, I almost think that Hemlock knows she's a clone. And, and, and likes that, but I don't think he knows that she may be having devious thoughts about her, her brethren, if you will. Yeah, do, definitely. Do, so I you, mean, she, you think Hemlock knows she's a clone. He just, that's fine. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, Hemlock knows that she's a clone almost assuredly. Like, there's no way that he doesn't know. He, right? he may like, have fucking grown her for all we know. I must say, it almost Although, seems like he's grown her. He can't, because remember, he needs he needs Nala say to unlock the secret of, of the cloning. So he wouldn't have That's grown true. her, but I, I do, I'm with you. I, I, I do believe that he would know. I just, I don't think, yeah, that, I don't think he is fully uh, understood or realized that she may have a, a secret agenda of her own. Yeah. I mean, I think if anything that she, she may have like, she may have just started to come to the realization she may not also like, she, it's very possible that like, she doesn't know that she's a clone. True. You know, like she could have, a chip. she could have the, her own chip with its own programming. You're, you're very, yeah. yeah like you, not you be spot on. Yeah. Like not all of the clones even knew that they were clones. So. Especially it's, it's, yeah, one like this, that, you know, a female that would have been taken away and probably, you know, at this point we only, we thought Omega was the only other female clone. Uh, you yeah. know, she, she could have been hidden. It could have been a special project. Who knows? But I, I keep your eye on Miri over, over the finale. I think she's going to more than likely assist clone force 99, possibly to her detriment, but she, she's not just pure evil like her boss. There's no way. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. 100%. Okay. And then the last top moment here. Uh, and, and I did dig this. I think this is my, you know, the the dad mentality kicking in. But I, I did think the Omega uh, piloting school was fun with tech. It, that was fun. If anything, it just shows how tech truly has filled the void of of Echo. He has become Omega's 
kind of go to, which is which is cool if you think about back to that episode when they get locked in the cave and and she ran away from him because he he didn't quite know how to relate to her and they didn't really have a a relationship beyond just living on the same ship. Now all these episodes later, he is becoming the de facto dad, big brother, mentor type of role. And I love these two together now. Like the her wildness mixed with his rigidness is a great contrast in in characters. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I thought that that was a fun scene. Like that was a that scene of those two interacting are I think was was much better than like the initial scenes where they they were like starting to try to build a relationship yeah, together. Yeah, yeah, it's like now we're seeing like the become, fruits. We're seeing the fruits yeah, of them like spending more time. Comfortable. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, honestly, cool. Tech gets the trophy this season for the most character growth. It, it's not even close. I mean, it's not even close yeah. between any any of these characters, even even Omega. I mean, Tech went from I'm C-3PO with flesh to I can now teach a kid how to fly and not act like a robot. I can actually yeah, get, like a complete get into it and, and, and somewhat enjoy it. Um, but also, I mean, this, this scene was dovetailed with a great emotional return of, of echo. I mean, I, I loved Hunter, his greet is like, yo bro, one of those deals. But the, the kicker here again, I think this is just cause I, I'm a, a father of a, of a little girl, but seeing Omega run up and, and jump into him and, and echo still kind of processing the fact that he's a, he's like a dad brother now and, and a little kid loves him. And that it's still, it's, a, it's an odd emotion, I think for all these clones still. Uh, especially yeah. the ones that went through the Clone Wars, not for Omega, but for the Bad Batch and your regs. Emotion in general, love, attachment, bonds outside of their brothers in arms is a foreign concept. You know, you, you got to remember, Nick, th- these guys, they they had their everything tweaked. So, uh, I mean, even their emotional states could be dumbed down and enhanced or, or yeah. edged out. So, you know, they're, 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 they're a little broken. Like most, uh, males you, like can be most humans. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. most male humans and I are. Mean, it, and it's, it's interesting too, to see. Cause like, I feel like as time goes on with these characters, they will like, especially tech. Cause I feel like Hunter was already kind of like emotionally mature, but like tech to a degree, and obviously record just don't have that level of emotional maturity, but as they like spend more time, not under the control of the chips, you can see them starting to like mature emotionally and start to understand like how interactions between people work, because that's not something that was programmed into their chip. They didn't have to interact with humans or interact with with species throughout the galaxy, all they had to do was what they were told yeah, to do. Fight. So now they're finally starting to understand like how like emotional interaction with other beings works. And you can see how that's starting to like affect the way that they not only interact with the people around them, but how they interact with each other. So like there's a lot of good growth that's been happening with the clones through uh, these this season in particular for sure. most definitely all right a few uh easter eggs references here to go through uh up first that ship that the prisoners are on that is a gozanti class ship 
uh, first appeared in the Phantom Menace, but it's been in all sorts of Star Wars, Clone Wars, Rebels, and most recently, this is the ship that Bo and her night owls jacked from uh, Gideon's forces in The Mandalorian. We got the return of Gregor. Remember, they rescued him in, in season one. So it's always good to see him. He's a little loopy. Like, if you listen to him talk, he doesn't quite talk normally. And you always know it's Gregor because he has the Republic Commando pauldrons on. He's got a whole different armor kit. Because uh, at first, Nick, I was like, oh, there's Rex. But it, it, Rex does not make an appearance in this episode at all, believe it or not. No, he doesn't. Um, yeah. Last thing on these guys, I, I really love that. The clones have made the Martez's sister like their their base on Coruscant. Like yeah. it's a, I mean, they're running a clandestine clone rescue op from the belly of Coruscant. Uh, and it's, it's great that they, you know, Rio is still involved, too. So, um, you know, everyone's been a little upset with this season of Bad Batch. But I do think when it's all said and done, some really great uh, plot development took place we learned yeah, we, there we definitely will be standout yeah we, we learned a lot about the clones in this season if, if you really think about some of the major tentpole moments that happen and, and it's not over yet so you just don't know all right continuing with our eggs uh it was good to see our boys uh hauser again all right he coming back from season one he was definitely a favorite a lot of people uh were creaming their jeans over his unique clone hairstyle they like that kind of mohawkish type of look uh and nick i i even threw nemec into the mix not because he is his name yeah exactly not because he is a clone that we've met before he was indeed new but you can't tell me that nemec doesn't cross over to our boy nemec from andor the one that wrote the manifesto that ultimately got cassian to get off his ass and do the right thing so i was a fan of that little callback there uh, we had the torture droid making an appearance, mouse droids. At this point, it's like, why do I even bring this shit up? Are they lame? Are they not? You never know. It always seems if I leave something stupid like this out, then I'll get the dickhead to comment like, you forgot that one. And yes, I am someone that still takes it personally when some random shithead on the Internet tells me I did something incorrectly. Uh, but yeah, like last week, someone just said, Hey man, you should wait a day before you post this shit. And I'm just like, well, what planet do you live on? Motherfucker? I mean, star Wars itself, I, I believe was posting Ahmed best images late Wednesday and they were dropping like scenes on Thursday. So, uh, and, yeah. and just scan the internet people, what they put in their post titles and whatnot is not even close to how sanitized I make my content. So you gatekeepers, fuck you. I always have spoiler warnings in place. The only way you get something spoiled if you're a moron and you sit there for 10 or 15 seconds through a spoiler warning intro. So fuck off. You're going to get the content early and fast so you don't want to watch it because you haven't even seen the show yourself. That's how we roll. We put shit out before most people can even see it, which means they're not going to see our breakdowns. But I like it that way. Okay, um, uh, Balmora, we got a Balmora mention, and this is actually a planet that's featured in the Clone Wars during that uh, General Grievous arc that took place early on in the Clone Wars. So that is Heavily a Heavily featured is, in yep. Star Wars and then, Republic Online the, game, too. Yeah, and the, uh, the, the good governor came back. Still not Grand Moff, but uh, our boy Tarkin made his first yep, appearance of the season. So you got to notate that reference. 
All right. So uh, in terms of ha moments for this episode, I, I just I really dig that we we learned after the clones were decommissioned that many more started to you know, question things and were getting themselves arrested and they were actually being taken to Tantus to be experimented on. But more importantly, it was just cool to think about that Rex and Echo were actively rescuing clones who were being taken to this place to be experimented on. I mean, it just goes to show you the, the character of those two clones in particular. And I like that it's Rex and Echo and not the Bad Batch because you got to remember... Yeah. They they were they started together. I mean, I know Rex wasn't technically in, in Echo's squad when they trained in the Clone Wars, but but Echo was part of the part of the 501 from the get-go. He was always with Rex, Jesse, the rest. I mean, he is a guy, and they they were the dudes of Clone Wars. That's why it was such a big deal when when we all thought Echo died back in the Clone Wars, and then we realized that, hey, the Techno Union kept him alive. But I do like that these two have reunited and that they are the ones leading this effort to rescue clones. Because in my mind, Nick, I always wondered, like, okay, what were the clones doing? Why didn't they uh, revolt? Why wasn't there an uprising? And that we're, we're learning. They, they didn't want to mm-hmm. fucking fight anything. They were done with this shit. They just, they didn't want to be persecuted, locked up, and experimented on. They just wanted to live out their fucking life after the yeah. Empire took away their job of being the standing army. Uh, so it, it's, I, I dig learning that type of information. Yeah. Um, you know, we were, I was bitching earlier about our, our boys still using stuns, but I am happy to say that crosshair don't fuck with a stun yeah. setting at all. And I dig that. that. That's very on brand for him. As you pointed out, the only one he spared when he broke out was uh, Amiri. So... Uh, I'm glad he at least has gotten the memo that you should try to kill every single person in the Empire that you get a chance to. Um, oh, another good nugget. I found it interesting, Nick, that we learned that Hemlock was kicked out of the Republic Science Division because of how fucked up he was. Uh, yeah, this, that's yeah. So th- th- this I guy's mean, a, been a bad seed even before the empire was a thing. Yeah, so he was probably yeah. you know smiling and, and tapping his fingers together like Mister Burns, like oh yeah, the empire's in control now. I can get back to doing my mangala shit. <sighs> okay, so I think that's that for tipping point. You know, I just, you know, I realized we didn't do our predictions. So real quick, Nick, predictions for Mando episode five. Mando episode five is a hard one to be able to go here. Um, I mean, we, we're going to have to get to, let's see. We're going to have to get to this Mando, like the Mando fight on uh, Navarro pretty soon. So I think I think in in Mando episode five, there's going to be something that pops up that's going to pull Grogu and Din and potentially Bo-Katan off of their little covert planet and then get them back into the galaxy to like to put to pull something off again. It's going to be hard. Like it may be pirate related. So I'll, I'll say that like maybe pirates are starting to like make some trouble again on Navarro. And that's where we start to like get the seeds of that battle planted that where we see all of the Mandos there defending yep. uh, the, I, guess, I mean, I guess it would just be de- defending the, the 
Town Square of Navarro from Pirates. Um, because I don't think that that's how this season is going to close. No, I think that no, this season no. is going to close on something more Mandalore, you know, it, like it, it, it's, yeah, it's I think all roads lead to Mandalore, even for the empire. So here, here's what I, I may have cheated a bit. Um, Jean Carlo, I think was on Fallon last week or somebody. And, and, and they asked him like, Hey, so when are we going to see Gideon again this season? And you know, Jean Carlo, Jean Carlo is like, Oh yeah, I think it's episode five. <laughs> so <laughs> if, uh, <coughs> We can believe Jean Carlo. It, it, I'm, I'm going with, and I, I'm going to believe him because I do think it's time. You're going to remember we're, we're halfway done. We only have four to go, so I think episode five is crucial here for kind of setting up the events for the for the remaining half of the season. So it would make sense to bring in the big bad again. So while I I am with Nick, I do think we go back to the cult. I think we get the scene from the trailer where you see Din walking out of the caves and kind of looking up to something. And that looking up could be a a visitor, some sort of, I don't know, maybe a message is being played. And that could be coming from Navarro asking for help because uh, the, the few remaining scenes we have left are that scene I just talked about where Din walks out of the cave like he's he's being beckoned out or something is coming down from the sky or someone is coming to them to to discuss something then as nick said we have all those shots of mandos fighting pirates in navarro you get a shot of uh, the n1 flying past uh gorian shard's flagship which looks like it's in the navarro atmosphere You've got the, the the pirate fighters. They're going through Navarro's uh, canyons and whatnot, fighting with the N1. So I, I'm thinking we, we revisit the cult. We see Din walk out. He receives some sort of distress message that uh, coaxes them to, as Nick said, leave the planet, take a force to help Navarro. Uh, the second plot line, I do think, then could touch back in on New Republic stuff. Maybe we get uh, the 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 Captain Tiva scene where he's talking to someone, and I think the someone yeah. is who we're going to talk about here in this leak coming up, and that's where we get the Gideon stuff introduced. So two prong plot: New Republic, Empire reintroduction. Other plot: Mando's helping Navarro take it to the bank. You heard it here first. Get some. All right, so for Bad Batch, I think it's pretty clear. We're, we have two episodes for them to get their asses to Tantus and try to rescue Crosshair. There's a good chance Sid throws a wrench into their plans. And like I said, I would not be surprised if we do get a cliffhanger with um, an Andor happening here. Not Andor, but an and slash or of Omega getting captured and left. And Crosshair dying, trying to help them. Or Omega gets captured and Crosshair gets away and he rejoins the team. And and we come back, if there is a season three, with the OG Bad Batch to get their little girl back. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm pretty aligned on that. I mean, we this season has to end on Tantus. So the only thing that we can do for the next two episodes is get there and then complete whatever mission that, you know, whether it be, like you said, rescuing Crosshair and losing Omega, it's highly unlikely that they get away with both. 
if they get off of Tantus with both Omega and Crosshair and there's no complications, that would be ultimately super surprising. Yeah, too too good. Um, like, a good guys can't have it that, that good. Yeah, it, it almost seems to me like the only way that that would happen is if they let them take Crosshair. Like, they, they yeah, like, like, it's a like set, doctor. They, they, they planted something in them. Sleep. Yeah, yeah, like he's like a sleeper now, go. like a sleeper I like agent. I like that. I like that. So, uh, but yeah, I'm I'm definitely aligned on like get to Tantus, get Crosshair off, probably lose Omega, and then that switches your objective from for season three. All uh, right, so here we go. We got to speed run through some of these, or maybe I'll be finishing the show myself. But here is our exclusive. So get some. Yes. Hello there. All right, so here it is. Uh, you may want to tune out. I, I don't really think this is plot shattering. Uh, if you've been reading the tea leaves, it, it all kind of makes sense, but I'm, I'm giving you a warning right now, and so will Chewbacca, all right? So there you go. You heard the Wookiee roar. Potential spoilers for Mando this season coming down the pipe. All right, so here we go, our exclusive. The armorer will get new gear during a major The Mandalorian Season 3 moment, so... According to uh, our contact here, who I think is pretty reliable, the armorer is going to be given a jetpack and blasters at a big ceremony involving all sorts of different Mandalorians. Uh, the ceremony it was described to me as being celebratory, Nick, so it's not like some goofy thing happening. Uh, we're going to see foundlings there. They're going to be lined up, almost kind of cheering whatever's happening. I don't know if it's the armor is ascending or, but the armor is finally going to get the rest of her kit. I don't know why. I don't know who gives it to her. I don't know what they're celebrating, but, uh, from what I've been told, this is going to happen. It's, this sounds like finale stuff. We're going to have all these Mandalorians <laughs> together. They're celebrating something and the armorer gets her jetpack and blasters and, Ragnar is rumored to be getting his full armor kit during the ceremony as well. Yeah, I mean, I can see that happening. Like, if there is some sort of rest, like restoration of Mandalore that happens, like, or if it's proved to her that there is a mythosaur in the living waters right. underneath Mandalore in the mines of Mandalore. I, that's the only way that I could see it happening because I, I got to imagine that that's like the only stipulation that she has for like fucking um, for like getting the rest of her armor is like, all right, I'll, I'll get it when Mandalore is restored. Yeah, maybe because yeah, like, okay. what else can she do? Well, well, here's the interesting thing. And, you know, when I when I got this, unlike most dickheads on the Internet, I, I actually researched it to ensure that we actually had an exclusive. OK, a lot of people don't don't do that. I went to making Star Wars, Bestman Bolt, and I was going everywhere. And when I was searching on MSW, I did find like a year old article of his where he, he had rumors or leaks about the finale. And I didn't fully go through it because I don't want to completely blow it away. But I, but I read up to a, a certain point where he mentioned that his contacts told him about a, a pure, what he described as a purification ceremony for Mandalorians. And I, we have a link to that report if you want to go dive into it and, and get even deeper into it. Uh, he, I think he's adding even more framing to our exclusive or vice versa. We added even more to his. But it does sound like 
as we've heard, we're, we're going to have other Mando factions. We know that's coming. We know we're not just focused on the children all season. But it, 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 to me, Nick, it sounds like this ceremony could very well be when they finally are together. They've gotten over their beef. I don't know if this is this possibly could be Christopher Lloyd's character. Maybe he's Daddy Kreese or or like an old Mandalorian that everyone respects. And he kind of brokers a a truce. Who knows? But we're, we're going to get to this ceremony where it seems like Mandalorians have coalesced, have come together and they are celebrating something. Are they celebrating the being back on Mandalore? It's not clear. Are they celebrating the arrival of the Mythosaur? Not clear based on what I was told. So I don't want to... Anything we would say beyond what I was told would be pure speculation is what I'm getting at. But I am going to speculate. I think this is going to be probably something taking place on Mandalore itself. Potentially the living water location that we are just at. Maybe Bo can't let the Mythosaur go. It's like, listen, I got to show you motherfuckers this. Who knows? But they get there, they all have a big, you know, kumbaya moment. Hey, we got over our shit. Let's celebrate. You get a jetpack. You get a jetpack. You get your armor. You get blasters. We're all going to have fun. Let's go fucking shoot Gideon in the face. All right. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like that's the only thing that it could be because like, what else could they do? Like you now have confirmation from two sources, both Din and Bo, that one, Mandalore's not poisoned. Two, it, you can easily access the mines and three, the living waters are still there. Those three things are big enough to, to you, for them to be able to say, okay, let's move this covert from fucking wherever we are on death Island right. to Mandalore, or at least check it out. You know what, Nick, then, now that you say probably. that, I, I wonder, I mean, the fact that they haven't gone yet is kind of curious, right? I mean, you, you, yeah, it is. So, like, I'm assuming then maybe this episode and what we just pitched, whatever happens is is a big enough that they realize, all right, we, we need to get our asses to Mandalore and get the fuck away from our death pit where our kids get eaten by birds and crocodiles. Uh, but, yeah. but whatever just happened in the galaxy, we, we need to we need to start moving because they, they haven't done shit. They've just been hanging out, training, living like yeah, life is like, good. Dude, if if somebody came back to me... And said that like, hey, your ancestral homeland that you've been trying to get back right. to for decades <laughs> it's good. is totally open. Nobody is there patrolling you. Nobody's going to stop you from going, try to stop you from going there. You can go. I'd be like, let's go now. Let's get in a car. Let's get the fuck out of here. Let's go. Um, the, so I, yeah, I, I really don't know what is holding them all back. Like, yeah. I don't know if, right. if the if it's literally the armor who's just like, yeah, I still don't believe them, but they but she believed them enough to say like, okay, you've been cleansed, you're you're one of the creed now. So like, why wouldn't that be enough to to go like, okay, let's uh Yeah, like, you let's you go. would think so. I mean, she's the one <laughs> like, spitting all the go. stories to people. It'd be it'd be like a priest being like, yeah, I fuck, I don't want to go to the Vatican. Well, who cares? You know, I've I've heard about it. Yeah. I've heard about in stories yeah, and read read poems about it. I don't, we don't need to be there though. We're here. Look, I mean, we only lose three or four people a week. This is a great place to live. Yeah, you know, like we get eaten by giant dinosaurs yeah, sometimes, but you know that that's what it, that's just what we have us, to deal with. It keeps with. us on our toes. It, it keeps us, uh, you know, keep it strengthens our resolve. All right, so here you go. There's our exclusive. Hopefully it hits so we get some more street cred out there in the Star Wars fan universe. 
uh, it is nice to to be recognized every once in a while because I you know I think we're fucking awesome. You guys know that. I'm trying not to bitch about it too much, but hey, we're the best. Everyone else sucks. Get on board. We know you all are, but if you're new here, listen. Become a disciple. Go speak the good word. There's always time for Star Wars time. All right, so let, hopefully that pans out. Uh, that, that's something I would love to see. A bunch of Mandalorians together celebrating something. You know, maybe, maybe then, like, the shit hits the fan, and that's when the Empire shows up. Who knows? Uh, beasts rise from the water and start eating people. Who knows? Uh, but it is sounding like they, they are going to come together and celebrate. And that celebrate is going to be big. That celebration is going to be big. Big celebration. Okay, let's let's try to keep moving quickly here. The next rumor here, this this one comes straight from MSW. I did a little short on it. Don't forget, we do shorts throughout the week at Star Wars Time Show on YouTube. We'd love for you to subscribe, like, and all that happy horse shit. Uh, but according to MSW, Mon Mothma is going to appear in some Star Wars series before Andor Season 2. And it sounds like we're going to see her as soon as maybe tomorrow or this week, depending on when you're listening to the show. But according to Jason Ward over at Making Star Wars, Mon Mothma is going to appear in The Mandalorian and the Ahsoka series. Makes sense. Yeah. You know? And that's why I was saying it's- earlier when I teased this, as like, I'm almost... 100% certain now that scene from the trailer where we see uh, Captain Carson Tiva talking to someone like pleading with them like listen we, we you know there's you know what's going on out there we got to do more I, I think that could be Mon or one of Mon's lieutenants or maybe that's where you know how Mon gets involved but it does make of course we, we've already spent 30 minutes with the New Republic her government so why would we not check in with the, the leader, especially if, if Gideon pops up in the next episode, why wouldn't we check in with New Republic to see how they're dealing with the guy that they let go, the warlord that they thought they captured? Um, in Ahsoka, we'll talk more because we got an even deeper rumor on that, but it sounds like, to me, Nick, Ahsoka is essentially going to be split into two parts. It's narrative. First part is going to be New Republic-focused uh, you know, trying to get the New Republic to help deal with cer- certain things, maybe help Sabine and Ahsoka go after whoever's helping Thrawn or, or help them find Thrawn. And, and the New Republic's probably not going to be able to assist in any real capacity, which will lead Ahsoka and Sabine to do, doing things on their own, which is going to be the second part where they actually go on the search into the unknown regions and deal with all that happy horse shit. So yeah, Mon showing up in yeah. both Mando and Ahsoka, considering the timeline of the Mandoverse, makes a ton of sense. And I think it's a, a, a great choice to include her to keep that through line going now, which we now have essentially from... Does she show up in Clone Wars at all? Maybe. But at least Rebels, well, Andor, to Rebels, to Jedi, to now the Mandoverse timeline. I think it's a great idea. I'm glad they did this. You might as well take advantage of having the lovely Genevieve and her fiery hair in as many Star Wars properties as you can that are set during her character's timeline. Yeah, I mean, it's it makes total sense. She is the like one of the primary people forming the New Republic at this time. And I know that a lot of the stories like are taking place in the Outer Rim, 
but especially with giant characters like uh like Ahsoka being a primary part of the universe coming up soon, it makes sense that she would try to have contact with Mon Mothma in some way, shape or form. Um, it, 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 I will be interested to see how they work her into uh, the Mandalorian because up to this point, there's no like easy avenue in for her other than like maybe she reaches out to grief because grief is trying to build Navarro into like this Mecca of the outer rim to try to like essentially make nice with him in some way. I think that could be an interesting way that she could come in. See, dude, I, I think, yeah. I think they're going to hard cut again, just like they did with Pershing's story. Just, just where it's really like, just... Hey, here's one story taking place in this series. And then here's a completely different story. They're all going to meet up at some point, but I, yeah. I don't think they're going to, they're going to honor you and actually tie it all together. I think it's just going to be, Hey, uh, Gideon really did get away, and this is what he's doing now. We need to do something. And she's like, "Well, we're getting rid of our army because of peace and all that." So I, I, I think she can be brought in fairly organically without a direct tie to any of our yeah. main Mando characters. Yeah, no, I, yeah. especially because they they true. did that hard <laughs> that hard transition in episode three. It was like, "Hey, yeah, Bo and Din just had a kick ass dogfight. They hit hyperspace, and then literally." wipe we're on new republic <laughs> the amnesty program for 35 minutes straight no correlation whatsoever to what just happened very uh, true all right so I, i'm i'm down for that anytime like i said we can we can see mon on screen my uh my crotch gets happy oh real quick uh, i don't want to spend time on this but it was kind of cool uh bespin bolton threw this up today but someone captured a an Andor scene. Andor is in uh, Valencia right now filming uh, for anyone that's into that type of stuff. But someone caught a video of a pretty important moment that uh, none of us have seen yet, or at least an interaction. And that is Mon Mothma herself finally interacting with Cassian Andor. Uh, so oh. if you're on the He's live stream now, I'm playing the video from Bespin Bolton's site. And they, they're in like a, it's a tense moment. They're together and he's like holding her back and she's like, whoa, blah, blah. They're, they're, they're very, things that are very chaotic. Now they're running away. They're, they're running from something. Both Cassie and Amon, who could be chasing them? Scene end. So, um, pretty cool. But that, that, that is, we, we just, we're, we just saw BTS the first time Cassie and Amon have interacted in the Andor series. Now only time will tell exactly what the hell is going on. But I'm assuming Valencia is serving as another part of Coruscant and, and they are being either chased or they're going somewhere and, and, and something bad happens. But it, it, they, they yeah. look very frantic together. So I just wanted to mention that. Uh, all right. Last little rumor deal before the fan segment here. And if Nick has to leave, he'll go and I'll, I'll take on the uh, fan segment by my lonesome. But this rumor is pretty cool. Uh, Ahsoka again. So uh, here we go. We'll use R2 to alert anyone just in case. Because, I mean, you could argue this one's somewhat beefy, but it still doesn't reveal much plot. Just a, just a potential character inclusion. All right, so this again comes from the dude over at Making Star Wars, Jason Ward. They, they tend to get the best, and they're almost always correct. So I, I would take this uh, with a, a lot of salt because it's probably legit. Uh, but here we go. So I'm, I'm going to try to sum it up as quick as I can. But essentially, like I said, 
previously, MSW has reported that Ahsoka and its its narrative are essentially going to be in two parts. The first part, essentially dealing with the New Republic and, uh, you know, potentially uh, Ahsoka trying to work with them to help with the search or to try to keep them on on edge and be prepared for a threat that could come their way. And then it's going to shift into the actual search heading out to these unknown regions. So there's that. But what MSW revealed last week is that none other than Morgan Elsbeth is going to be a main character in the Ahsoka series. If you don't remember who she is, this is the lady that Ahsoka fights in The Mandalorian. And if you remember, Nick, we truly don't see the end of the fight. We only yeah. we only hear what we think happens is, you know, the the, the staff drops and, and her lieutenant's like, well, I guess you're your girl won. So then Din and him have a little duel and, and Din obviously shoots first. So it, it sounds like she does indeed survive that encounter with Ahsoka in the Mandalorian. And here's the, the crazy part. Not that she's going to be a main character of Ahsoka, but why is she a main character of Ahsoka? So uh, according to MSW, Morgan Elsbeth is to Thrawn as Sabine and Ahsoka are to Ezra. Does that make sense for everybody in the room? Essentially, Morgan, just like Sabine and Ahsoka, has been searching for Thrawn since his disappearance during the reign of the Empire. That is why she was on Corvus harvesting planet, harvesting the planet for resources, which she does mention, or I think Ahsoka mentions to Din, like, oh, she, she uh, was, you know, gathering stuff for Thrawn throughout the years. And, and Din's like, well, it looks like she's still in business. Well, guess what? She wasn't gathering stuff for like, a, you know, the Empire fleet. According to MSW and his contacts, she was on Corvus harvesting it to build a ship or ships that will allow her to go and find, go there you go, to go and find Thrawn. Search. That's what she was doing in the Mandalorian. It was nothing for the Imperial fleet, the remnant. It wasn't for act of Thrawn. So Thrawn is still gone. You know, I, you know, Nick, we wondered like if she's, mm -hmm. if Ahsoka knows to ask Morgan, is he back? No, he is not back. Morgan was on that planet actively building this ship to get to Thrawn, to find Thrawn. Uh, so Jason also reported that he believes, and this is more speculation, that in terms of timeline, the Ahsoka series is going to take place a bit before, during, and after the uh, event we see her uh, take part in with Morgan in The Mandalorian. Okay? Yeah, I mean, that, that makes a ton of sense. I mean, you don't introduce that character in the way that you introduced her without having her like play some sort of important role in the Ahsoka series. I feel I know that like we assume that she got killed, but like that character was such a a red, not a red herring, but it was such like a canary in the coal mine for the Thrawn thing. It would be really weird if they didn't bring her back. Now it, it, and by the way, alive. she also either is or has ties to the night sisters which lines up with some of his other reports Beautiful. that you know we th there might be these night sisters in the unknown region doing weird shit but you know morgan has an edge to her because you gotta remember what happened to the night sisters in the known galaxy they got genocided by dooku and grievous 
yeah, which completely wiped yeah out. so she she ha- she's no fan of of anything of any organized you know republic or or cis uh, so I, I, I dig that. So, I, I mean, essentially the way he's explaining it, like, you know, the first part will be Ahsoka and, and Sabine maybe trying to get the New Republic to help to let them know, like, hey, there could be shit going on out there. We don't know where Thrawn went. He, he's with our buddy, you know, Thrawn. You, you never know what he could be up to. And, and they can't help. And then the, the second part is going to be them essentially, it sounds like almost following Morgan into the unknown to try and find their dude, Ezra. So there's a few other little nuggets in here that are interesting. Um, uh, Jason over at MSW clarified one of his earlier reports. You remember, Nick, the characters of Balon and Shin? He was talking about how they were living in the unknown regions already. He's now saying that, no, that, that was wrong. They're actually in the known galaxy. They are still, like, disgruntled Force users. Uh, but they're they're actually on Team Morgan, so Morgan will be leaving with Balon and Shin to go find Thrawn, who is with this uh, bodyguard or, or assassin or whatever we talked about named Enoch. So that Balon and Shin do not have direct ties to Thrawn; they're more directly attached to Morgan. But they will be going with her in search of Thrawn. Um, so cool stuff there. I mean, he 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 couldn't clarify if the ship she's uh, building or using Corvus for is a just a big ass ship to bring back the whole Thrawn fleet or if it's a bunch of little ships some people told them they looked like TIE fighters some people told them they looked like cruisers uh, but that's kind of the general synopsis and I'm I'm kind of down with it I, I I dig that fact that that Morgan's going to kind of be the the direct foil to Ahsoka and it's essentially the the, the same the same type of uh, character and the same type of motivations f- that, that that she shares with Ahsoka and Sabine, but for Thrawn versus Ezra. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's cool. I, I think that the character was well played, and I think that there's a lot of opportunity uh, to use her in a sim, like you said, a similar way that you would use Ahsoka and Sabine. So, and then I'm sure that there will be an ultimate clash of Thrawn and you know. Uh, in Morgan uh, versus uh, Sabine, Ezra, and oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Like hey, again, with with anything making Star Wars, you're you're never getting the full story. So always go click through and read if you want to know more. I mean, I I govern myself on his site sometimes, and and I selectively leave certain things out because I know it would probably upset others. So, uh, but yeah, the, the battles between these factions 100% are coming. Remember last week, I mean, Sabine's going to have the green lightsaber. It's going to be rad. Um, I, I'm definitely super excited for Ahsoka. Uh, I, I mean, it's, it's Filoni. I mean, he, 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 he's getting the play on his own for the first time. And, and that excites me, especially from a, a lore standpoint. Yeah. For sure. All right. We're already late, Nick. If you want to bail out, I understand. Otherwise, we're going to get into this week's fan segment and try to get through it fairly quickly. But we have hit our our 2.5. Yeah, let's see if we can get this done. All pretty right. Quick. So first off, um, question of the week. You know how we do it. We put a question up on uh, Instagram at Star Wars Time Show to go in the stories, go in the profile. Your job is to respond to it. All right. So. Uh, once you do that, we'll pick a few of their responses to read throughout the show. So let's go ahead and pop up our question of the week. I need to move over back to 
There we are. There's our big faces. All right, Slack is up. Question of the week. All right, so this week, as it usually is, what was your favorite or least favorite part from The Mandalorian, The Foundling, and or The Bad Batch Tipping Point? I'll start with the one story, Nick. You can take the rest. Uh, looks like our boy Kevin got in here, Mr. Bango. Thought the visuals of the jetpack chase were fantastic, and I remained intrigued by what's going on with Bo. I can't tell if she's buying into the Creed stuff or if she's still playing some long game with the designs on how to reestablish a power base among the Mandos. Um, I, I don't I don't think she has any nefarious plans. I really don't, not at this point in time. Yeah, I agree with that. All right, Nick, go um, ahead, rattle them off here. Next up, the Imperial Grunt says the dialogue slash writing in the Mando show is laughably bad. It's like watching a video game cutscene. Uh, I mean, sometimes I'm trying to I, like from this episode uh, that we're talking about in particular, and I didn't have any like moments that stand out. I could see in the you know the premiere with some of the dad jokes that were getting dropped or uh, some of the lines that that Din was dropping in maybe episode two. Hey, who knows? I. I I'm not really, I've never been in the Star Wars for dialogue. You know what I mean? I mean, I think that's why Andor blew my fucking mind so much is because we've never heard Star Wars characters speak so eloquently like we heard from Nemec, Luthan, and then, you know, ultimately Cassian. I'm kind of used, yeah, no. I'm kind of used to the video game cutscene Star Wars. Very true. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. Any, uh, next up. Good luck. Bi Valley. Good luck with that. Culturista <laughs> Z. Mark Vart says, <laughs> as a Legends fan, definitely seeing Coruscant in the New Republic era, just the cherry on top, uh, on the top would be seeing deep fake pregnant Leia as a senator and Han Solo and Chewie cameo or Wedge Antilles and Red Squadron. That would so, be wild, man. A deep fake pregnant Leia. I like deep it. fake pregnant Leia. Hey, we we yeah, have I mean, the AI to do it these days, so why not? We definitely do. So maybe that'll come up at one point. We'll see. <laughs> Deep fake pregnant <laughs> Leia. Love it. Uh, Johnny Osage Ave. Our good friend says both great episodes. Hey, Ragnar, stay away from the water, will you? It was great to finally see the rescue of Grogu, but a little anticlimactic for me. But I'm really digging the Bo storyline. Is she embracing or infiltrating the covert onto the batch? I just hope we continue this story tomorrow. And not some Disney Luca themed storyline. Cheers. Pabu really does look like Luca, by the way. Like it kind of yeah, does. It, yeah. 100%. <laughs> I, I feel you there, Johnny. Ah, uh, your buddy there here, he EKU Rory says Jar Jar Binks vindication. I told him because, you, you know, this guy has a hard on for Jar Jar. And last week he always checks yes. in with me, even though he hasn't seen it yet. I was like, listen, dude, this is one that you need to watch right now. I'm telling you, you're, you're going to, you, you of all people on this planet are going to get a kick out of this episode. You don't want it spoiled. So you got to watch it Wednesday night. And, and he, he followed my advice and I was correct. He, and yeah, I mean, a good one for him to watch for sure. So he got his wish right. next up, Cody Tweedy. My favorite part was when Grogu was saved by Jedi master Keller and Beck. Yeah. Right. I mean, that was a highlight for Sure. So thank you, everybody, who participated in this week's Question of the Week. Awesome stuff. We love you. And now we're flowing into our top five Star Wars fan artist features of the week. So if you want to get involved here, make sure you add tag at Star Wars Time Show on your shots. Add tag. Uh, 
use hashtag Star Wars Time Show and then add us at Star Wars Time Show in your Star Wars art posts on the Instagram. That's right. Uh, I had to pull double duty yeah. this week because I'm I'm impatient and I have OCD and I feel like if the top five isn't out before I begin work, my life will end. But it's all right. I I, I didn't feel like doing real work right away this morning anyway. So uh, <laughs> usually Nick is picking the winners here. So I guess I'll lead you through the tour because these these will be Go surprises to you. But up first, it, it, it's been a while since we've seen Venomous in our feed because of just the way Instagram uh, acts and he doesn't necessarily tag us. It's okay. We're not going to guilt anybody. I only do that to poor Devin. I, I feel bad sometimes. I'm such a baby, like the way I act on on, on Insta sometimes with, with Devin. So hopefully he understands I'm not a big cunt. Uh, but Devin... Devin's busy oh, such, man. such a baby dude. Like like last week he you know we're going to talk about his piece here in a second but you know in his stories like some other Star Wars account on Instagram that does nothing but reshare other people's work and yeah I know we feature but come on we 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 create our own content too. It drives me nuts that these other Star Wars sites have like 50,000 plus. But he's like, "Oh, thanks whatever site." And I replied I, was, I just replied, "Shit." And he's like, "What? Did I admit did you share?" I was like, yeah, but don't, dude, I'm just being a fucking complete bitch. Like, don't, don't ever listen to me. Just understand, I'm a big whiny baby who feels like no one likes him. So, I, I hopefully he understands that I, I was just fucking around. But I do, I take shit personally. So let's go, Venomous. Check this shit out. Venomous's style is one of the most unique, real ass paint styles we have ever seen. I know we've talked about him before, but it's been many years. But what we're looking at here, if you're not on the live stream, is a Venomous rendition, which the best way to describe Venomous is like chaos. I mean, there it looks like he includes every real ass paint style you could ever think of. But he he uh, recreated the uh, debut of Keller and Beck. Uh, specifically when he's got both his blades kind of to the side blocking some laser bolts. And like I said, Venomous, Eli Hyder, his style is just, it's very unique. I, I really haven't seen any other artists that that do what he does. So if, if our real ass, real assers are in here and you know what his style is, is it vector base? Is it watercolor? See, we're stupid. We have no idea. <laughs> we just know it kicks ass. So that is at Venomous. Then Nick, there we go. There's our boy right there coming from at Super Scoundrel. He's doing his homage to Jedi Master Keller and Beck. And it is a sweet little, it's essentially what Devin is doing is putting it out into the universe that he wants a, a Keller and Beck Disney Plus series. series. So he's got, a, I was going to say, this is very different for, for, um, for Devin, because obviously we're oh, so used to seeing you his need vector to, art. You need to log into his, your account and check him out these days. He is he is fully transitioned into a Star Wars fan poster maker now, with a specialization in like vintage nineteen seventies style movie mm-hmm. posters. So check it Very out. Nice. Check it out if you're not if you're used to uh, Devin's typical vector art kickassery. He is now a poster guy as well. Um, so yeah, it looks cool. I like I kind of like the uh, how he bleeds out Edit, the color. I like the gold. Yeah, you get that like the gold rings right. going down. Right. Uh, yep. Yeah. It's good shit. Awesome from, stuff. From our boy at super underscore scoundrel on Instagram. And I, I I was a fan of this one here from Star at Star Wars underscore Rick. And perfect. Yeah, he gave us what what a lot of people were predicting 
literally Jar Jar Binks as Jar Jar Binks, not Keller and Beck saving Grogu. So it's just it, it's a fun little play on that on Grogu's save. But instead of seeing Ahmed Best as Kalorin, we're seeing him in his Jar Jar costume, dual blading mm-hmm. lightsabers with a little Grogu behind them as he f- stares down two 501 clones. Yusa no touch him. Yeah, that's right. Is a good one here. I like the Digirama in the background too, showing the course on Skyline. Uh, I always yeah, like no, I always like a good lightsaber effect too, and and Star Wars Rick mm-hmm. has them. I mean, you got to If you're gonna put in the digital lightsabers, you got to make them fucking pop like that. Like they have to, got to pop. Yeah. So that's at Star Wars Rick on Instagram. One of these days, we'll dedicate more time to the top five. We just got to figure out our our show slot here. Uh, this next one here, Nick. Um, I, I encourage everyone to go check out the BTS over at Amusing King on Instagram. Uh, the shot we're looking at here is just friggin' beautiful. It is, I don't know if it's, if it's Luke or I think, yeah, I think it's Red 5 flying. So it's kind of like a bird's eye view, uh, but it's, it's flying in the clouds and the clouds are, are accented by, you know, waves of orange, pink, purple, blue. And I will tell you, my friend, this is all practical. There is that, that is mm-hmm. not a digirama. That's incredible. You know what that is? Wow. That's a bunch of fucking torn up cotton, like, like stuffed animal fill. Just, oh, that he put yeah, lights Yeah, through? just spread out oh, to make it look wow. like clouds and then, uh, you know, accented it with, with lights underneath. So... That looks amazing. Yeah, it, it's fucking awesome looking. And, you know, it, people have done this before. We've seen it with practical explosions where you take the cotton balls and paint them orange and a little black and put a light under it. Uh, but this is a, for, I mean, it's literally the whole background is nothing but cotton that's made to look like clouds. And it just really works for this X-Wing shot. Uh, I mean, that is some pretty incredible. I mean, like I... I thought that that was maybe like a shot of actual clouds that like he went in and then like colored nope. in no. Photoshop or something no. like that. That's that's incredible. If he just used like light diffusion through cotton yeah. to make it look like that, that's truly incredible yeah, it's, stuff. It's, it's definitely kick-ass. R2 thinks so Using as well. Um, and then last but not least, and, and boy, this one almost needs a, a minute or two just to soak in everything that's happening. I know that one. Insane. So we're looking at one of the latest Star Wars creations from um, at Plastic Action. He's been on the show before. Uh, good dude. Super creative. He's doing this full time now. Just, you know, turning toys into art, both through stop motion and still photography. But Nick, if you look at this shot, I think he called it like Star Wars in New York. So the entire scene is filled with Easter eggs from Star Wars, other movie franchises, but you've got everyone from Jabba the Hutt to Ahsoka to a Scout Trooper to Ewoks to Mando, Grievous, Vader, Luke, the Daimyo, Fennec, Rey, C-3PO, Jawas. You got Porgs. Yeah, Porgs are there. You got Jawas breaking down a, a land speeder for Pelimoto. You've got George Lucas with a camera on his shoulder and Dave wearing Rebel Hoth soldier gear watching a scene yep. being filmed i mean it, it, there's just too much to talk about you got obi-wan and anakin recreating the high ground on an apartment stairs it's just, <laughs> it's such a fun shot and i love one of my favorite things is in the background having chewbacca dressed as teen, teen wolf. wolf hell yeah dude <laughs> like just it's so, it's fantastic so fucking good 
So fucking yeah. good. You got, you know, Tebow is up there getting ready to throw spears at Grievous and Mando. You got Paplu is hanging onto the scout trooper speeder bike. Luke and Vader are reenacting their moment from Bespin up on a fire escape. I mean, it's fantastic. Pizza the Hut, too. Yep. I mean, did you, did you say that? No, no, nope, like, you got it's that the, one. It's the Spaceballs reference and Star Wars. You got Jabba the Hut carrying pizza in Spaceballs. It's Pizza the Hut. So I it, but he's carrying Domino's, so whatever. And <laughs> but and still, for, fantastic. And for good measure, Waldo is also in here. From where's Waldo? Like Waldo's there. Oh, of course, of Waldo's course. Waldo's dog right is there. there. Yep. <laughs> I mean, it's just so cool, oh, man. Oh my gosh. Uh and, and this is a, I, I guess we should give him a shout out because some of them do support our show, at least Jason. But they've started a new group called, I think, like the Figment Five. And this is a, they've been issuing hashtag challenges, kind of like Sir Dork's been doing for a while on his channel. And I, I believe this is their take on their hashtag, which is like you had to use over 20 figures uh, in a random scene. So make sure to check out Plastic Action, Black Series, Nose Rain, Swip Picks. They're in this new group putting out challenges out there for the toy photography community. And of course, they themselves are creating some some bangers. All right. Absolutely. Well, my friend, Good stuff. I think we can put that one to bed. I think so. I think it's time to close this one out. Boom. I'm going to shoot my plasma gun here real quick. It, this, uh, you got to love the soundboard. It works sometimes and sometimes it doesn't, but we'll get there. Oh, there's R2. He worked that time. All right. That's right. We got to go. It's time to put the show to bed. Good night. Episode 257. As always, it's a great time hanging out with you all. They come here and do the live stream with us. And if you can't, no big deal. We always drop the podcast-only version on Wednesdays. Plus, I don't know if anyone's noticed, but YouTube now has official podcast playlists. I don't know if you can subscribe to it. We can't really see it from our end, but we have designated our live streams now as the podcast of the channel. So maybe that'll make it even easier for you to find and follow along. But we'd really love for you all to come out and play. You know what I mean? Give us a chance. If this is your first time listening, hopefully you'll come back because it truly is always time for Star Wars time. We're a little goofy, but we know our shit and we try to make things entertaining with crappy soundboards, bad jokes, creepy sexual innuendos. You never know what you're going to get on the SWTS. So in between shows, make sure to give us a check on the internet, starwarstime.net. That's where you can find our content between broadcasts as well as all the links you need to know to be in the know with the Star Wars Time Show. All right, sub to those podcast platforms. If you're watching this right now and you haven't done it yet, go ahead and hit the like. Leave a comment. That's even better than like. Save the video, share it, clip content. Show your friends how amazing we truly are. Do what you got to do, but let's keep building up this clan. All right? You are the children of the Star Wars Time Show, and you will drink our Kool-Aid. There is always time for Star Wars time, okay? That's the same as saying this is the way. There's always time. That's what we say, all right? And don't forget, if you listen to the Star Wars time show, the Force will be with you always. How about... Hold on. How about... Always. <laughs>